0: He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Orchids wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cummingham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine. Jeremy, together they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror.
1: Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 49 of the 22 Shots of Moods and horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my two virgin voyeurs with me. Massacre. <laughs> and he has Ruler22, also known as Jeremy. And of course, we got the Mexican himself, Double Shot J.
2: Massacre. Also known
1: as JP. What's going on, homies? <laughs> Joe, yeah.
3: What up, up guys? Fuckers, I missed you. I know,
1: right? Yeah.
0: How long's it been now?
3: Three weeks.
1: It's been three, three weeks, weeks, yeah. That's three weeks. Ridiculous. I thought you guys were going to get a little more butthurt over the the virgin voyeur thing. I couldn't think of any other words that started with V to go with voyeur. Because it is pertaining to Sleep Tight, right? Kind of, you know, I guess.
3: I would say so, pretty. I think that's the major theme of the movie.
1: But V's, man, those are tough words, you know?
3: Voyeur, I I couldn't
1: think. Virgin? I I don't know.
3: Virgin vagina, there you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so what has been going on, man? It's been three weeks and it it actually seems like it's been longer it does I don't know man I was so messed up like last week I'm all ready to go and record the show and I'm like hey guys what time are we recording at and Jeremy's like what the fuck I'm on fucking set I told you I told you two months ago dude I've been but that's precisely why I don't remember because I've been so busy I was out of town and I just kind of forgot that you're on the set that day and I just assumed that we were recording I'm like all ready to go I'm literally sitting in the same spot I am right now all ready to go and I'm like fuck
3: and you and JP ended up talking for eight hours. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all we could do. But, yeah, so what's been going on, guys? I, I know everyone's been really busy. So
0: Besides JP. You been <laughs> busy, JP? Nope, not really. I have not been that busy. <laughs> I had a busy week. The first week when we didn't record, I was kind of relieved because I had a really busy week at work. I told you guys about having to uh, fire that woman and... Uh, You know, lost another person. We was working on hiring two new people and it was a headache because all of our applications were shit. We did like a shit ton of interviews and, you know, I was busy that week. But besides that, I mean, I'm just, just, you know, chilling, waiting on you guys to return. Did you find anybody? I did. I hired this uh, 17 year old girl, which will probably end up terrible. And then this uh, college kid who can work like three days a week. So probably bad hires, but hey, we needed somebody and we went through literally every application that we had and interviewed every single person and those two were our best. Wow.
3: <laughs> wow. That should say something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess in JP's neck
0: of the woods. Good thing. It's not oh. even my neck of the woods. Like I travel a little bit for work and I hate that town. The town is, you know, filled with junkies and it's just, it's a bad town. But Tom Savini actually did come stay there a few times before I worked there. Uh, We actually, we actually had, you know, the guys who host that MTV show Catfish? Yeah. Those two guys filmed an episode in our hotel uh, a few weeks back. I thought it was ridiculous.
3: Was there like (laughs) trucks and shit?
0: Not really. They were kind of a small crew. They had a lot of like PAs and stuff like that. Um, but they were very like pampered in terms of uh like they would just stop and then like brush dude's mustache and like put makeup on him and like s- and like spray like smelling stuff on him, and dude yeah. would just like hold his hands out to his side while they like just like you know mess with his eyelashes and he touched up his hair and stuff and I was I'm, just like, like i didn't
1: unfamiliar with this
0: yeah i I didn't really think that like those guys. Whereas, you know, Hollywood is Holly can be, you know, around well, TV, man. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just I when you even watch that show, it's a, it seems like it's a little more, you know, mm-hmm. small production and just the two guys and stuff like that. But it's a little bigger than I thought. Definitely had like a non-disclosure agreements and stuff like that. Uh, come through the hotel. Have JP
3: uh, just walk by in the background?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I was really in front of the camera at all during the filming. But it was funny because as they were staying at our hotel, they went over to the bar one night, and some like chick like flipped out and was like, "Oh my god, it's you know Nev or whatever his name is," yeah. and they had to leave there. <laughs> but it was hilarious because every single person in the hotel, like that, my coworkers and the guests, like nobody even came up to him. So it's like it was like not very many people care in in my area you know like with the my people circle
3: and he should have just ran in the background but like 22 shots
0: of moods and horror bitches and ran what down. up yeah well they yeah. took down one of our pictures in one of our rooms and they just left it there for us to put back and it's like it's not a picture where it's just you hang it on a nail like they're secured to this to the wall so that people don't knock them down and steal them and shit you
3: know you just you just run up to the camera, grab the mic, and be like. Texas
0: Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how'd your how'd you couple weeks go, Jeremy?
3: I'm pretty solid. I didn't do much the week of Sitting in the Wasteland, and if Moods wasn't a little bitch and a- answered my fucking messaging and telling me if he could pick me up from the fucking train, I would have came.
1: Moods. You were actually, you. you know what? I completely didn't even really even see it. Um, uh-huh. You know, we probably couldn't have though. I know at that you're time.
3: probably too piss ass drunk to even drive. <laughs> probably,
1: <laughs> um, you could have just shit
3: faced us last week. That's last year.
1: No, no, not at all. No, not <laughs> even close. Fun, to though? that. I mean, no, because this year I actually ate food. Yeah. you know, I actually put something in my stomach and and kept it. Uh, you know, good. So no, I, I didn't have. I didn't have a repeat of. Oh man, it was so much fun, man so much fun you know speaking of tom savini actually met him and uh it was kind of funny man i actually brought up something that he was, i actually kind of shocked him a little bit he's you know he probably hears the same questions over and over again you know of course it was the day of the dead 30th anniversary at uh, yeah. wasteland so i'm sure a lot of people are talking about day of the dead and stuff and they'll come and be I like
0: say talk- so uh how was it working with george romero <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, like, exactly that's the exactly. question he gets all and- day <laughs>
1: And and to be honest, I really just tried to avoid like all the all that type of conversation. So I asked him about a film that he did a cameo in called um, "It's My Birthday" and I'll die if I want to. And he looks at me and he goes, "Yeah, I don't really talk about that one." <laughs> I started laughing and I was like, "Oh come on, Tom, let's talk about that." I'm like, "How did you get involved with that?" And he goes, "Well, he goes to be honest, it was actually uh, students of mine, um, you know, from his effects school. They were making this film and." You know, they were putting together, and then they asked him if they could, you know, if he could do a part in the film. And he's like, okay, whatever. And he's like, yeah, that movie sucks. Was the movie sucks. <laughs> no, it's actually really not that bad. And one cool thing about the film is that, you know, it's got good effects. And that's one really, but it just seems like Tom Savini's character is totally just thrown into the film. You can <laughs> tell he was just kind of put into a part. And so I wanted to ask him about it, but I didn't know it was made by his film students. So,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, so that was actually kind of interesting. So I learned something there. But, yeah, and you he know, actually. Tom Savini-
0: didn't he say that nobody ever asked him about that film before?
1: Yeah, he said no one had ever brought that up before. And I was like, well, and I kind of jokingly said, I'm like, well, because I'm probably one of four people that's actually seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of laughed. But no, he was cool, man. He wasn't very grumpy and stuff. And he had his grandchild with him and stuff. So it, it, he was cool, man. He what was a great, great place to
3: bring your grandchild. Fucking Cinema Wasteland. Well, he's, he's probably like 12 years old or something. A whole bunch like that, of but... fucking weirdos drinking beer and... Yeah,
1: but it's not as... You're talking as, about, as, as about as our as people, is, dickhead. Though.
3: I am you know, talking about your experience. people. <laughs> you know, to be honest, everyone's super
1: nice. And it, oh, yeah, it's I'm really not saying not they're rowdy. nice.
3: Everybody drinks beer and they talk about tits and fucked up movies for a whole Yeah, weekend.
1: I mean, yeah, there's definitely some tables that would probably scare some children, that's for sure. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I talked to Tom, got his autograph. Uh, I talked to uh, Gary Clark. I think that's how he s- s- pronounces the name. I'm not quite sure. It's, it's a really weird name. Um, he's a cool guy. He played Steel in the film uh really interesting guy actually when we got we were out you know in the you know the hotel uh restaurant having some drinks me and the wife there and and him and joe palano blanto were sitting there bullshitting all night and stuff so we had a little bit of conversation with them but man joe palano the guy who plays Rhodes. really really old looking now yeah <laughs> he's just like kind of frail and long hair and it's all great it's just it's very interesting to see what they look like now but very cool guys and uh yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Wasteland. It was so much fun. Everyone I met, Aaron Brown was really cool um, among people. The whole cast of Pieces of Town, everyone was awesome. Christy Ray actually told my wife that she had a crush on me.
3: <laughs> I was nice. like, that is the funniest shit I've ever heard. She wants your cock.
1: Yeah, and David Long was amazing. He was so much fun. He actually like, hung out and you know came up to the hotel room and he was just just doing his thing, man, just making his rounds and oh, great times, but so much good people, good atmosphere. Lots of drinks, nothing really, you know, over the top happened and stuff. But some really interesting things like there was actually, I I guess this group of friends kind of staged a uh, like a zombie attack. And the interesting thing about this was is that it just came right out of the blue. Like, we're outside having a smoke, having a beer, and broad daylight, and all of a sudden this girl just starts getting attacked, and they're ripping guts out. And But the interesting thing was is that, you know, the people that dressed up like zombies, they did a good job with their makeup. Like, it was, you can tell it was like hours worth of effort. You <laughs> know, like, this is fucking crazy. But that, you know, just kind of added to the, you know, the atmosphere and the fun of it and stuff, and...
3: Mood's picked uh, up smoking again. Shame, shame, shame.
1: I know, I know. Um, but yeah, Saturday night was really fun. It was kind of a big party night, and I got to finally meet Tom, also known as the Headbanger, of course, from Coors yeah. Ball's channel. Uh, such a great guy. I couldn't say enough good things about him. We hung out all night, and I think we basically closed down the party at like 4.30 or 5 in the morning. Um, good times. Dave was there, Mr. Parker. Really cool guy. Um, I, I just can't say enough good things, man. Wasteline was just... It was such a blast. I spent... Insanely, way too much money.
0: Um, <laughs> I you know, that just, would happen. Yeah. I just
1: picked up so much. You know, the the funny thing is, I grabbed probably half that stuff in the first half an hour was there because when you have VIP pass, you can get a yeah. half an hour, you can get in a half an hour early. So I just made my book my way over to the tote table and grabbed like everything out of there. I even grabbed some like last copies and shit. They only had like one copy, so that was kind of a bonus to have that. And um, of course, talk with Fred and Shelby, and they were really cool.
3: They were cool last year.
1: Really, really cool, man. And you know, oh, yeah. I bought enough stuff there that. Even, uh, you know, Shelby threw in an extra shirt for me and for free and stuff. It was just great. I couldn't say anything bad about it. It was just, it was really good time. So, um, unfortunately, it was kind of funny, actually, because at the hotel, they usually have everyone stay, like, on the third floor, but they were yeah. renovating the whole third floor. So, half the people, like, had to stay over at the Super 8.
3: Oh, that's shitty.
1: But the funny thing is, though, I actually went over there. Me and Dave, Mr. Parker, went over there to, his friends were doing, like, a little private screening of this little short film that they made. So, we went and watched this hotel room, and I walked into the room, and I go... What the fuck is this? So we're we're spending a hundred bucks a night at the Holiday Inn, and we don't have you know microwaves or mini fridges or anything in our in our rooms. I go in there and I go, what the fuck? They got a microwave and a mini fridge, and they're paying like seventy bucks a night. I'm like, fucking bullshit, man.
3: <laughs>
1: so you we were all like, you guys oh. on
3: the same floor again or no?
1: We were on the second floor. That's was, pretty much where everyone was. So
3: yeah, yeah, I bet you it was loud as fuck.
1: It actually, we never noticed anything. Yeah. We never really it wasn't even that bad to be honest. And actually a lot of people said that it wasn't overly loud like Not you know. Like <laughs> no, just you know, yeah, you know, it was more outside. Were you in were we were at the end stuff. or
3: were you in the middle again like Uh
1: we were actually kind of in the middle.
3: Oh yeah. So we're we, we got lucky cuz we were at the end so we weren't next to
0: anybody. Yeah, you got to yeah. get the end in hotel rooms or hotel uh, floors <clears throat> the ends
1: like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. It was I really didn't notice anything to be honest, but Yeah. But then again, I was also up until drunk. the end of like night so <laughs> didn't really notice but yeah really I was, really good time how's so. the
3: christmas story house the christmas story
1: house we actually never made it to it
3: that's fucking lame i would have been pissed yeah, we just we
1: never got around to it. Well, because what happened was when we were driving into Wasteland, we were about 10 minutes from the hotel, yeah. and we actually blew a tire, which you guys see in the pictures and stuff. So we had to deal with that on Friday before Wasteland opened,
4: mm-hmm. and we
1: were going to do that during the day. So we had to take the car into this Conrad's place, get the tire replaced and stuff. And, and you know, that took a couple hours, and then we went and ate, and we just didn't really have time because I didn't want to be late for, you know, the 4.30 opening, right? So He's
3: first in line. Come on. Actually, I was
1: probably second or third. He
3: has money. <laughs> he's money falling out of his
0: pockets. Come on.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was just fucking burning a hole in my pocket, man. He's I'm just pretty just sure money. the money was like, in my pocket. He was like down in my down in my shoes. It he's literally like, burning. He's just
0: stripping it.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was it was a fantastic trip, man. You know, hit up a, a Cleveland Indians game on Sunday. Went back to Toronto for the home opener in Toronto for the Jays. Like
4: you were supposed to. Fucking. Yeah.
1: Oh man. Honestly, man, if the dollar wasn't so shitty, man, the hotel was so bad too. Like we were getting seventy-one cents on the dollar.
4: (laughs) It was so bad.
1: So that was kind of uh, kind of hindered a little bit of you know productivity for us. You know, doing other things and stuff because it was just it was really really expensive. So.
3: If he comes in October, you have to come.
1: But Yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, but you know good thing you know the wife had a really great time she didn't really know what to expect because she was at first she was a little freaked out she's like expecting you know a lot a lot of weirdos and just crazy party and just kind of things that are outside of her bubble a little bit like you know but then she was fascinated how nice everybody was and she wants to go back in october she's That's like awesome we, we were driving back to toronto and she goes she turns to me and she goes i want to go back in in october she's like when do they announce the guests for october and i said I don't know. I think pretty quick, and then honestly, we got into Toronto and they announced that um, for the October show, they're doing the 25th anniversary of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three
4: yeah.
1: reunion. So Ooh. Jeff Burr is going to be there, and a bunch of other people. And I was like, "Fucking A. I'm like, "Here you go, Aaron." <laughs> she's like, "Awesome." She's like, "Yeah, we should really try and go back in October." I'm like, "That's fucking crazy. We we just traveled 3,500 miles." <laughs> so, but um,
3: gotta come here though.
1: If we could, man, we we definitely go back. But you know, so that's, it's good to know that she's into it. So. But yeah, really, really good times. So
0: sounds you know? amazing, dude. Good for yeah, you yeah. having all that fun.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, ugh. I, I just
1: I had such a blast. It was just it was nice to just get out of you know where I've been so swamped and it just took my mind off everything and it was just like surrounded by goodness, you know. By
3: yeah. goodness.
1: It was just it was just so much fun, man. Picked up some really cool stuff. i I found this awesome Phantasm hat that I'm that I'm rocking right now, but I just love it, you know. It's your bald head. Sh- my bald, yeah. I actually shaved my head again. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> your
1: yeah, I got this massive fucking beard, shaved ass head. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know. So then I get, so I get home, and then I'm back, and you know, I was just finishing up my graveyard shift, so I'm back on regular shift. So I'm all fucked up right now. Like I had no time to watch films this week, so I'm all swamped, and that's yeah, you pretty still much. 87 films. Years. I did previously. I watched a lot. I didn't watch anything this week, which was kind of odd. For me, I it's just really, really fiending, you know, tried to watch a film, fell asleep halfway through. I'm like, oh, this is brutal. So I got to get back into the mold of things. But I'm just happy to be back doing the show right now. As you can tell, I'm just talking like a madman and really, really hopped up on caffeine right now. I'm usually <laughs> drinking beer, but, you know, I just I had to sleep in late today because I'm just my body's all fucked up. But. But yeah, yeah. episode
0: 49. Which means next week's episode is episode 50. So I think that's a good time to mention that uh, last week for voicemails, guys, get them in by Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday would be the 29th. So make sure you get them in by Wednesday if you want to uh, participate in the 50th show, which we will be counting down our 50 most influential horror films of the last 50 years.
1: Yeah. that is right the big five zero. it's really crazy actually it, it <laughs> is It is approaching 50 I, like I always joke about it how we're like remember in episode 33 or 34 we're like oh we got lots of time to prepare for it now it's like next week
4: holy <laughs> no yeah. shit uh, but I like
1: that though it's gonna be a fun time should be an interesting show so yeah like JP said get those uh, get those calls in and um, so you can win some goodness so win some prizes or whatever I don't even know what everyone's got to give away and stuff but it doesn't really matter. Get him in. Win some shit. Alrighty. So we might as well get into the news. And I'm probably assuming that we have a shitload since it's been three weeks off. And I know there's been lots of announcements and lots of other craziness that's been going on. So, JP?
0: Well, you would assume correct, my friend. There is a lot of news. And what's funny is I kind of cut the the date off like a week and a half Ago. So this isn't the entire three weeks of news that we've been gone. It's it's really like only the last week and a half and maybe one thing from the previous week. So just showing by how much news we have in that short period of time versus if we did the whole uh, three weeks that we've been gone. It's pretty insane. A lot of things have been happening when we went away. So now that we're back, let's talk about some of the stuff. Uh, first up, we have an announcement from Warner Brothers who says they are going forward with the Gremlins reboot. Now, this is kind of interesting. What I had read, there was an interview with Christopher Columbus. But the first thing that was announced was Carl Ellsworth, who is the writer behind Disturbia, The Last House on the Left remake, Red Dawn, and the upcoming Goosebumps movie is going to write gremlins there was an interview with chris columbus that said that they are actually trying to find a way not to remake the first movie but to take those characters and do something interesting with them uh, he wants to focus on like the nostalgic feel uh, for the people that grew up with gremlins and stuff like that uh jeremy what do you think about that
3: Hmm. i don't know i'm not really a huge follower of the gremlins movie so i'm probably not a good person to ask
0: moods what do you think about that yeah i think it's good
3: it'll be cool i think they're trying to do like i'm gonna say they're probably trying to do what vacation's trying to do so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i almost feel like people are i'm starting to see a shift that before it was just remake 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 but they would still call it reboot or whatever but now it feels like almost people are studios are trying to like Continue. reboot the series but have reoccurring cast or characters um we've seen it with chainsaw we're starting to see it with uh there was another film that was announced it was doing that like jeremy said vacation it seems like the new remake is is more of like a sequel again so that, i think that vacation is different. a sequel yeah it well yeah. technically is right yeah. so so but it, at the same time they're trying to like reboot it The story. Yeah. so uh that seems like where their heads at with the gremlins
1: yeah I, I i like that idea too i think it really does work and it i think it uh it gets people more you know involved in wanting to see something like that too yeah. you know like i mean right when i heard that you know like chevy chase and uh oh shit what's her name D'Angelo.
0: D'Angelo. yeah
1: you know are back doing this you know sequel or whatever um that just instantly intrigued me
3: yeah but you the know, thing I, is like that's the running joke with that series is that the the people who play fucking rusty and and they're always different. Series, they're always different. That's like yeah. the money, that's the running joke of the series. Like, but it's mean?
1: almost became a joke in itself. Yeah. that works. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's that's so. like the point of the whole thing. Is like they're the same people.
1: The only thing with the Gremlins film, like I think that's really cool. You know, they're gonna have some type of relatable, you know, to this film. Uh, but uh, the Gremlins, the the Gremlins themselves. Yeah. Now that's yeah. what worries me because I think. You know, if, you, if they if they go all out and they fucking see the shit out of the gremlins and stuff, I think it's just not going to work.
4: Mm-hmm. You
1: have to make it kind of similar to the original. If you're going to bring back cast members or continuity or whatever they're doing with it, kind of make it relatable to the first one. Obviously not CG, would make it puppets and, you know, use animatronics and stuff yeah. like that. I think that's the only way to go. So now that worries me if they're not going to go that way.
0: I think there's I think room for really a healthy mix it. of both because you know they're gonna add CGI to it. So I just wish that they hopefully um, do try to go somewhat practical with it and maybe just use CGI as an enhancement on certain scenes that would be a little harder to pull off. Um, I mean, if they, that would. <clears throat> I mean, if there's any
1: type of film where you you can totally avoid CGI, it's in like little monster films. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a little easier for. I mean, it's obviously not easy to do, but I think it's doable to the point where I think it would be amazing to see. You know, it's it's a lot easier to make like little monsters than it is to to do you know big monsters. Those type of things you almost have to CG sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? But like with little monsters, I think it's a little easier to work with and and kind of do properly. But I would understand why they can't do it
3: properly.
1: Yeah, I would love to see this on the big screen with, you know, just how the Gremlins were back in 84. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that would be so fucking cool to see, and I think it would really, really get people... Mm-hmm. Like, there'd be a lot of buzz, man. I'd say
0: let's set like it right on back. Christmas again. Let's do it.
3: Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right? See Gremlins on Christmas. Well, <laughs> all the Jews, at least. Yeah.
4: So,
0: I yeah. mean... I, I think their head's in the right place. I like that idea. We've seen it. The other film I was thinking of was The Town That Jetted Sundown. It seems like the best approach now is because remake is such a dirty word is to let's try to make it a sequel, but it's it, it's still kind of like a rehash almost is what we've kind of seen with, with these type of things. So I, I don't know. Let, let's hope that Moods is correct and they go a little more practical on this one. But after that, we have another remake type announcement. We have The Conjuring team. Uh, you know James Wan is going to be producing. The people who wrote The Conjuring are going to be writing. And it is the remake of the 1983 uh, ghost molestation movie, <laughs> The Entity. Uh, this is going to be remade from who, – who, who did this? Warner Brothers or I can't really remember. You guys know? Mm.
1: <laughs> I actually can't remember. Fox. Yeah, I can't I think remember. It's
0: Fox actually. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be remade, guys, and it was announced to be remade and it was going to be done by the guy who did The Ring and the Ring Ringu uh, back in 2007, but that eventually got canceled. So now it's back on the slate again. Uh, Moods, what do you think about that one? You know what? I'm not really,
1: I'm not really happy about this at all. To be honest, I know you're <laughs> not a big fan of the film or the the ending of the movie. But uh, to be honest, I think what makes <clears throat> the original Entity film work so well is it's just this, it, it's so shocking when you watch it. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it such a good film. You know, we've seen this before. So what are they going to do? Are they going to have it the same way? You know, did did they announce anything? Are they going to make this? You know kind Less of tame it needs
0: to be yeah. a hard R for sure yeah it okay. has to be a hard R for okay. sure Okay. they because, didn't say yeah. anything about it
1: so it, the thing is though if they dumbed down the story of the entity um, man it's just not going to work at all but I'm not really excited for it because I think that movie just does not need to be remade yeah. at all I, I just don't see that type of story just kind of working I don't know I don't man, think
3: it's going to work today to be completely honest you
1: know like I said like you know it was so shocking to, to when you watch that you know this fucking demon entity raping the music and yeah. the music and just how everything kind of develops in that film but like to see it again in a newer version I don't know man I don't think it's going to have the same effect on people especially if you're a fan who knows if you haven't seen the original one and you watch this one and it's not dumbed down they actually go full force with so it it might really work for you but you know for myself and I'm such a huge fan of the film I always have been I'm not yeah. really I'm not excited about it I'm just not excited Mainstream I mean I can see time. them changing and definitely the ending
3: but yeah they Movies tend to stay away from rape, so don't see too yeah. many rapes.
1: Well, especially in, like, a mainstream Like, type.
3: the last movie that I could think that has a rape in it was fucking The Hills Have Eyes remake.
4: Mm-hmm. That was a like, pretty main,
3: brutal rape. I think that's, like, think... the last movie I can remember that had, like, a mainstream rape sequence. Yeah,
1: there's definitely not a lot of rape scenes in, you know, mainstream films. Yeah, I'm, tr- like, I'm trying to think studio films. So that and that and that that's kind of what uh, that I was getting at. You know, I don't think it's just it's not going to be the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> my my so. opinions are that it doesn't bother me as much because I do think there's actually room for improvement in the film with the entire end, like you said. But that section of horror before it gets to like the lasers and stuff is some <laughs> of the best horror that there even is. Mm-hmm. Like it is terrifying. <clears throat> it is so unsettling and you feel really helpless is. and yeah. the the music added to it and just the brutal sadness of it all is truly effective so i think if there is anything that they can do they have to push the boundaries on what they can <sighs> put in a mainstream film because it has to be intense it has to be uh,
1: See that's right. i think it it won't work as a mainstream film to like i mean have that effect that you know that had on us watching the other one because mm-hmm. there's scenes in this film that are so brutal man not only just the rape scenes with her and the music being so effective and stuff but there's that scene the first time the demon rapes her uh barbara hershey's character in the film in front of her fucking kids man yeah Yeah, i mean are they gonna put like those are the type of scenes that i can't see them really putting into like a hollywood film like that's really really terrifying and like kind of not what they do in films nowadays but i mean Mm -hmm. if they want to go there that's cool too but those are the type of films that i find make that film so damn effective and and like when you watch it you kind of go you almost lean back and go fuck me man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly you know and i just i don't see it having the same effect but you know that's me that's my the the
0: only like great thing that i i can say is that it is in somewhat decent hands right i mean the guys who did the conjuring and and probably uh blumhouse and stuff like that uh you know
1: they... it, it kind of it kind of gets me wondering if they're going to make it more of like a very kind of slow ghostly like a totally different approach like a conjuring type mm-hmm. deal you know like you know very kind of atmospheric and uh, slow. I don't know. It, it's interesting because if you take their type of style towards that, like in your fucking face entity style, like that movie is just it comes full force at you, man.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to see how that goes. Uh, but we actually did cover the entity way back on episode 10. If you want to dig down to those those old episodes and check it out. Days. I, I do remember our review being pretty entertaining. Uh, I mm-hmm. It was the first time I seen it and I was like, wow, th- this movie is amazing. So uh, we, we all kind of loved that one. Um, but moving on, uh, the CW. Uh, it was announced a while back that tel- tells from the dark side, which I guess is going to be an you know a anthology, I assume, you know, because that's what the original was. Uh, they're going to be redoing it, and uh, according to Joe Hill, which is I believe Stephen King's son, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the film Horns and uh, Lock and Key. He's going. He wrote the pilot script, and according to him, it is done and he just saw the first cut of the pilot and he was super pumped up about it. So it looks like that, uh, it is in full force and it is coming to the CW pretty soon. That is tells from the dark side, Jeremy. Cool. What
4: else (laughs) is
3: there to say about it?
0: Moods,
1: man, I, I'm so excited. Like this is what we've been needing with all these new horror related TV shows that are based off films which is fine. I'm fine with it. But Mm. we needed that anthology.
0: And me and you have talked about that many times, like with all of the goddamn horror that's going on in TV right now. I mean, it is so plentiful, but it's, it's missing the anthology format show.
1: It was, it really Mm -hmm. was missing that one element to kind of make it a whole. And that was the anthology based TV series. Um, Man, it's like getting out of control. I kind of joked about it the other day with uh, these adaptations, these TV adaptations of films it seems like they're announcing one every week now.
3: Yeah. Like oh, it's yeah. out There's of control like, like
1: that's the spear you one and like and all these other ones that are coming out and I was yeah. like, "Holy crap, it's almost like it's turning into the new reality show."
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, <clears throat> and actually, I do believe it's an anthology because it says that a character by the name of Newman is the only regular character as he goes through and discovers uh, what he comes across is being called the dark side. So it does sound like it's kind of be mm. going to be like more of the uh, Friday the Thirteenth style anthology, where there's okay. you know a, a, you know two or one character that is kind of your main centerpiece, and these stories revolve around that person. But it seems like yeah, it's yeah. a you know monster of the week or you know ghost story of the week or whatever we're dealing mm-hmm. with. But I'm pumped. I can't wait. I'm not too crazy about the CW. I don't really know what they've done, uh, but Tales from the Dark Side coming mm, back—that's pretty cool.
3: They've done Supernatural, and then that that's new, right, Supernatural. A yeah. new zombie show, zombie Didn't X.
0: sci-fi. Do Supernatural? No, nah. oh, all right. So yeah, I mean, I guess Supernatural is like nine seasons deep. So yeah, <laughs> some people must like that. Um, after that, we have a little bit of an update. I just thought this was some interesting news. Uh, the film Unfriended debuted a little while ago, and it ended up making six million eight hundred thousand on its opening night and went on good. To go uh, gross over eighteen million as of uh yesterday that's um, pretty good yeah that's that's not bad right um yeah, it's it did good. get uh it didn't get the biggest release, but uh it's universal's picture pictures film it came in at number three on the opening weekend um and it only had a one million dollar budget, so it's a little bit of a success story i've heard mostly decent things in terms of it's not great but it's 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 pretty solid it's a pretty solid little horror film so uh yeah. that sounds good to me um it did look interesting kind of look like the den me all three of us have been really high on the den um so i think we was all kind of a little interested to see what kind of story it was telling yeah mm-hmm.
3: it's already out of theater so i can't
0: go see it <laughs> yeah i know i was Last actually gonna week. go and i was like what the hell it's gone
1: yeah it it never made its way around here, <laughs> none of them ever do, so I never have to worry about that yeah. But, yeah
0: so yeah, after that, uh this was reported by Bloody Disgusting, so i 'm not sure how credible this rumblings are, but they reported that they have an in that Lionsgate might have already been going through production on the next Blair Witch project film. Uh, they're basically saying that one of their insiders told them that Lionsgate is working on a film called The Woods, which they are. That's that's a known thing. But their mm-hmm. insider is telling them that The Woods is actually a remake, sequel, or spinoff of the Blair Witch Project. Of course, the working Woods film, title, yep. directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett. Uh, who we all know um Adam Wingard has done a bunch of films yep. um, you know what's funny is back in January uh, co-director of the Blair the original Blair Witch project Eduardo Sanchez came out and said that the sequel was inevitable which we thought was a little weird you know he has been saying that for years but Um, It makes this story a little bit more interesting that he had just recently said that. Uh, The Woods is involving a group of college students on a camping trip who discover they are not alone. Hmm, maybe, right? It could be Blair Witch trying to keep it under wraps and stuff. And if you was going to make a Blair Witch film but you didn't want everybody to know it was the Blair Witch, maybe you would probably call it something along the lines of The Woods. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Movies do that all the time when they don't want people to know. Yeah. Like all the superhero movies did that when they were in Chicago. They just called them some other name so nobody would know.
0: So what do you guys think about another Blair Witch?
3: I, what? Like, cool. I don't know. <laughs> like, what are they
1: doing with this? That's, that's like, the
0: question, right? Like because, what? Like,
1: yeah. Like the first Blair Witch is what it is, you know, found footage. Second one completely. Well, it's not unrelated to the first one, but it's a completely different type of film. So what are they doing with this? I don't know. Is it like a origin story? I mean... Something cliched like that. Oh, I let's th- make an origin story of... I think uh... the
0: first one was an origin story. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, yeah.
1: I guess, totally. But like, I don't know. What do you do with it? Where well, do you take it? I gave I, I guys don't even my, know.
0: my idea a couple shows back. Um, you know, Probably like 10 shows back now. I don't really want to rehash that. But I, I mean, I have some ideas. Of course they'll probably do something completely different and better. But, I mean, I, I'm kind of... if, if they, This is the thing. I would love to see another Blair Witch Project if they could do something that I hadn't thought of that actually works. Because like, that's the problem, right? It's like, what the hell do you do? If they could have figured out what that is, then I'm all for it. Have you been thinking about this, JP? Thinking about a Blair Witch Project sequel? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've I've thought about it, what what you would do and stuff like that, but... Mm-hmm. Of
1: course, you have been.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the Blair Witch Project, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'd be really surprised, you know, if that is what it is. You know, if if the woods is also or is you know a you know secret title for the Blair Witch Project. Um, if it is, props to Bloody Disgusting for finding that out. Uh, after that, we have a bit of a, a weird news, and that is that. Dario Argento wants to oversee a television adaptation of 1977's Suspiria. Uh, it says it's being developed, but that's you know being developed is is not even greenlit, right? That's like no. when you're first thinking. That's the
3: first it. thing of production. yeah.
0: Um, and after that came out, the showrunner for Hannibal, which has done really well uh came out on twitter and said that he would love to do the u.s version of suspiria um tv series (laughs) so what what the hell would you you know i did hear something how the fuck would you make this into a tv show i heard somebody take have an interesting take on on suspiria Mm. as a tv series where like you're kind of following three characters one in uh New York, which was, I, I believe, the second film took yeah. place. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the three locations or whatever, uh, falling like, three different girls. It, it sounded kind of interesting. I've only seen yeah, the yeah. first film in the Mothers uh, series, but what do you think, Moods? This seems like this one's up your alley.
1: No, yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> You know, at first I was, like, completely not sure about, uh, you know, this being adapted into a TV series. But then I, upon kind of pondering it a little more. I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? There's so much to explore with the story of the three mothers. I think if you take it and you explore um the actual kind of origins of it and, you know, kind of explain it more because a lot of people I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have with the uh the three mothers trilogy is that, you know, there's a basic kind of concept and idea of what the three mothers is,
4: mm-hmm. right?
1: In Suspiria and Inferno and then of course, you know, but you know, it I think it's kind of wrapped up a little bit, um, but I think I, th- I think in the TV series, I think you can just totally take that idea and tell people exactly what it is and just explore the actual three mothers.
0: That know? makes and, sense.
1: You know, and that's the thing, and just kind of tell the whole thing, tell the whole story of what the three mothers is, because I think in the films it's there, but I think there's a lot more to explore in the movies, um, you know, story-wise and stuff, so... I don't know. I think I think it really can work. I think you can really stretch it out and, you know, totally explore, you know, where do the three mothers come from? And and then just go from there. And I think there really is a lot. And it was actually it was actually a comment that I read. um, I think it was by Aaron Penn or something like that. He he kind of he kind of put it into my mind. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, there really is a lot of damn story, because when you watch these films, it's always the main complaint that, you know, they're really good visually, blah, 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 but the story's lacking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, the three mothers can be a really, really interesting concept if you explore that because there's really endless possibilities what you can do with it, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think right there, it actually has the means for a lot of episodes, like a lot, like a big series. Yeah, that's,
0: that's interesting. I wasn't really expecting that take from you, but kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, I think that one of the positives of that happening is that story, the three mothers, obviously in three different parts of the world yeah. uh would work well for a TV series one because typically you have a, a higher budget and you have you're able to do much grand much more grand things in terms of locations and uh, I feel like there could be some like beautiful locations for that so I mean so- sounds like it could work but I mean it's very early in its uh, embryonic stage so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens with that uh, mm-hmm. after that we have our homie. The big homie Wesley Craven is uh, coming back into the spotlight once again uh, because Deadline reported that Wes Craven has went to make a deal with Universal Cable, bringing two new TV series to cable he's going to produce. Uh, Both of the shows will be projects for the Sci-Fi channel. The first one is based on a book. We are all completely fine, but the second one is very interesting. Uh, Craven will write the pilot episode, I believe, of both, but I'm not sure. The second one is Wes Craven's *The People Under the Stairs* for TV.
3: So, with all these fucking TV shows, man. I told you, I told
0: you, literally a year Jesus and a half Christ. ago, that it was the new remake.
1: You know, I can, <clears throat> I have no problem with these uh, these films being, you know turned into a TV series I at all. I don't either.
0: But Pick good ones, though. What? I can't is, see though, that being a TV show. I kind of could see this one being a TV show. How? It's this crazy... How does Bates Motel make it as a TV series? It's about a crazy family who is living in this area and they're kind of controlling all the people that are living there because they're slum lords, right there's there's the, this room for all these characters who these people are affecting we follow all of those characters and we learn a little bit more about the f- main family as it keeps going along and we'll probably have full as our main lead character who's like kind of investigating all this shit mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest issue I have with all these uh, shows is um, the simple fact that it's impossible to keep up. I mean, if you were right? really trying to watch all these TV series, it would consume your entire life. It's like in a, it, it's so much to intake. Like, I'm just like, holy crap, man. <laughs> like, I haven't even got to, you know, certain shows that I have. And I'm like, and they just keep announcing more. And I'm going, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'll ever get to that.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. But, you, but know? you know, the reason that I really love it is because something like the people under the stairs where i'd really never want to see it remade i it can't there's no room for a sequel it lets this live on in a different way that you would have never had the opportunity to do, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. It, it's a new form of of sequel in a way. It, it's kind of interesting, and I'm kind yeah, of digging yeah. that because it's like something like people under the stairs. Like I love that film, but I would never dream of seeing some weird sequel to it that wouldn't work, or I would never want to see it remade because it's of its time. But the core concept put into a TV series, I'm okay with that. That sounds pretty interesting. So that's kind of mm-hmm. why I like these TV series uh adaptation things yeah don't have time <laughs> <laughs> i know it's funny because i've i talk about how i like these yet i've only watched like two and i've not even watched the whole season of any besides yeah. the first bates motel season i but don't I, have the
3: time nor it's the so hard man. but i
0: feel like i will eventually have the time plus i like letting a, a, a tv series run its course So then I could just watch them all and not have to wait a year to check out the next one. Like, for example, when Bates Motel is eventually done, I'll pick up all the seasons and I'll go through the series because it's going to be it's going to be a fun ride, probably. Um, But if I invest in a show for one season and it gets canceled, I'm going to be pissed off. You know,
1: I'm 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 precisely the exact same way for the exact same reason. I like to go through and watch the whole thing, like just kind of marathon it. And there's, there's nothing worse than getting into a TV series and have it canceled on you, and you're like, "What yeah. the fuck, man!" So, like so if, you, if you know that going into it, you're just like, "Eh, whatever, okay. I'll just skip that one."
0: <laughs> but you if know, you,
4: if
1: you so go you waste your time.
0: five years from now and you know that People Under the Stairs has lasted five season and five seasons, and it ended in its fifth season, you go pick all those up on on DVD, and you're cool with that. You're not worried about it being canceled because it's, it's already done. Now you exactly. have the full run to go through.
1: Yeah, man, you're just saving yourself, you know, from disappointment.
0: Sorry, I
3: don't think that's gonna make five seasons.
0: <laughs> probably just, not. I'm just on right a now. sci-fi channel, right? <laughs> so, I would I mean, be surprised
3: but, if it made it past two. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, after that, we have a announcement of a documentary. I thought this one is something Moods would enjoy. Uh, so the team who did the Hellraiser documentary that just came out, I believe. Oh, well, thanks, because you know I don't
3: watch out. documentaries either.
0: Uh. Well, let me finish, and you'll see why. Uh, Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser One, and the story of Hellraiser Hellbound Part Two. That documentary came out, got some buzz. You know, it's a UK thing though, so that was a little disappointing. Me and Moods was looking at the price of that damn thing. Um, but it's called yeah, it's this true. new one is called You're So Cool Brewster: The Story of Fright Night. Uh, mm. So it's going yeah. to be a documentary. Uh, fully supported by the original writer and director Tom Holland, uh, this documentary will be the ultimate insight into the making of the cult classic movie as well as the tribute to the late, uh, great Roddy McDowell. Uh, the story of Fright Night will feature detailed interviews with those who helped shape and create this much-loved movie guided by Tom Holland. The makers of the new documentary will raise the stakes and unearth behind-the-scenes stories, including footage and images from Tom Holland's personal archive. Nice. And this isn't uh, a UK thing only. I would hope not, right? Because that, like Hellraiser, makes sense, you know, because that was kind of a UK production a little bit. With coffee. yeah,
1: like the Hellraiser, yeah. the the Hellraiser documentary just uh, it came at a bad time too. Just you know, with the dollar being so shitty, and I'm like, fuck, man, the things it's like twenty pounds. I'm like, I gotta pay. Four thousand dollars for this thing (laughs) to get over here. I'm like, this is this is fucking crazy. So me and JP were like, you know, fucking, we're a little saddened by this, and I was like, ah, come on. But no, this is good though. This is good. This is really fascinating. And having a full documentary about Fright Night. Are you Mm -hmm. serious? This is amazing to me because it's like the film that, you know made me a horror fan really like i watched this film pretty much when it came out i think when it got released on vhs and here it was maybe early 1986 i don't know but um it only
3: cost you three thousand dollars to get it oh yeah yeah you know
1: <laughs> like 89 bucks for the big boxes them but uh no um yeah this is this is fantastic i i would like to know more you know, yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I, I you know, I, it's it's one of the, my favorite films of all time, and I think this. And is, that's
0: why I said that you would probably be really interested in this. news yeah. I wonder if they're going to talk about the remake. That would be cool, huh? <laughs> no, it wouldn't be cool at all. <laughs> what about the sequel to the remake? No, I would love to hear Stephen Jeffries
1: talking about the remake and going, like, all they have to do in in the documentary is just have Stephen Jeffries going, "Really, McLovin." <laughs>
4: <laughs> it would make
1: my whole fucking day, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: I would piss myself, man. I mean, that's all. That's one complaint I've heard from so many people about that film um, is that you know the guy who plays Evil Ed McLovin. is is McLovin. He's just, yeah. it was like terrible casting, right? And everyone's like, what the f- Why the fuck would they cast him? He's goofy. He's fucking. I understand why you know for the goofy element, but just yeah. fucking terrible in the film. But you know, that's I would just love that Stephen Jeffries just like really mclovin <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. but i think this has potential to be awesome i hope they actually make it like a really long documentary you know like a two and like a, a half hour type length,
0: maybe yeah more type of shit yeah, yeah. just with
1: like and, and d- they did say they're they're gonna have everybody with you know um like brand new interviews and stuff like the yeah cast. yeah
0: it says that it's gonna be full uh featured you know detailed interviews with those all the people involved who helped shape and make the movie. So
1: oh, it's that's fucking awesome, man. It's really good. I'm excited for this. Is there like a release date or uh, the... no,
0: it's actually just been announced. There's really nothing else besides what I just read. Um, okay. so yeah. Uh, but hopefully that means that Fright Night will get a blu-ray soon. Uh, after that we have Rob zombies, the hills have eyes at the beginning. What? So this came out a little while ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess somebody came out and said that Rob Zombie is writing the uh, fucking prequel to The Hills Have Eyes, but it's going to be animated and it's based off of the uh, graphic novel when the original remake Hills Have Eyes came out. Uh, they did a like tie-in graphic novel prequel thing, so I guess that's what they're talking about making into a animated film now. I have heard other sources say sources say that this is BS, so who knows? I figured I would just mention it.
1: You know, it, it it's it fascinates me because I heard that Rob Zombie's you know going to be writing like the Three Mothers TV show and in season seven of uh, From Dust Till Dawn and Bates Motel season four. And he's also working on some episodes of uh, People Under the Stairs. Also, um, I heard that he's going to be doing something with the Fright Night documentary. Also, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It just seems like his name gets attached to fucking it everything. It does. It's so strange how like it, you know all these type of rumored things. It's always Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie. Like he is always the main focus of just bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny, man, but but then we we get intrigued by it. So, I mean, if this is true, it'd be cool. I yeah, guess.
0: Rob Zombie has probably been attached to more projects of popular horror films than ever since that Halloween remake. He's been attached to so many, you know, already established horror franchises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of annoying because most of the time it's not true, but it got me thinking, and I do think that Rob Zombie would kill a Hills Have Eyes movie. Not an animated film, but an actual movie. I really think that he could do that. I don't get the animated film.
1: Like, Man. you know, like, let's touch on this a little bit. Why animated? I understand that he, you know, he's done the L Super Beast I guess I understand the whole, like, where that's coming from and stuff, but, like, why would they even consider this, though? Like, I think Lob yeah, Zombie would be so much better selling. doing another uh, Hills Have Eyes film or whatever if they even to do. Re-
0: Like, I've always kind of, like, what does a director of an animated movie do? I've always kind of wondered. Like, I'm sure there's like things to do, but I- I've always just wondered like how it's like written and directed and stuff, you know?
1: I actually don't really know the process of that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, that that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's listeners going screaming at their. Yeah, you know, like,
0: you fucking idiots. You, don't, you don't know, know what they fucking
1: do when they're directing an animated film. You fucking idiots, turn it off right now. <laughs> but, you know, it makes sense. But,
0: you no, know, it, it's
1: kind of a good question. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But no, Rob Zombie, man, it just cracks me up. Like, I don't know how many things I've read that are totally false about Rob Zombie in the past. And
0: Remember that everybody my... thought that he was Paul from Wonder Years? Like, that was a rumor for years, like, before the internet.
1: But then also <laughs> it was, you know, it was Marilyn Manson was Paul from the Wonder Years, too. Oh <laughs> <Well, and>, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, like, so many fucking, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, I just don't, I don't really, I'm not excited for an animated. Just
0: Chainsaw Master. <laughs> or that, that would not be fun either. No, no, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not um, a big. I'm just not a fan of animation unless it's like South Park or King of the Hill.
1: Yeah, the, I have no problem with it. I just don't want to see a Hill's Have Eyes animated movie. Like, I I just really don't have any, a lot of interest in that. Yeah, it just I mean, if, it was you know, if it was something fully original, like something I'd never heard of or you know, just something brand new to the table, if, if the Hills Have Eyes, it just throws me off and. Then again, you know, sitting here judging before, maybe it's gonna be good. I don't know, but yeah. Right now, as I stand, I'm not overly. I, I'm. I don't have a boner. Just, just put it that way. Well, no-
0: my vote is for BS anyway, since some sites have came out and said that they had sources that dug into the situation and said that there's no truth to it. Um, So who knows, who knows? It's probably not true. Yeah. So after that, uh, I just thought I would toss this out there. The trailer came out for MTV's series called Scream. This is supposed to be based on the classic Wesley Craven franchise uh, called Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scream 4. Uh, This is going to be a TV series. It's going to premiere June 30th, and the trailer came out, and I got to say, I did watch it just to see what they was doing. And it doesn't look very good, guys. Doesn't <laughs> look very good. I, there is actually no ghost face. It's actually a different mask. Uh, there's only a quick glimpse of it, but I've seen stills uh, that people screen capped. Uh, maybe they don't want to, you know, show their hand right away. But I'm not really sure. It looks like this weird remake thing, very meta and stuff. But it, I, I, I'm just. I don't know. I do not know how th- this thing is going to play out, but I actually probably will watch the pilot just out of fucking curiosity's sake. I uh, what is the story? I like I can't remember. I know we've covered this a lot. Like, I-, the I remember
3: mask we- was copyrighted, right?
0: Yeah. No, yeah. well, see, but, but then they came out and said that it wasn't. So
3: hmm.
0: but it was though. Well, it is – but but you got to figure – well, yeah, it's copyrighted, but the people came out and said there was nothing that says that we – like, we have not had disputes to where we couldn't use the mask or something. No, it's just their excuse
1: for not using it. That's But that's we don't know if
0: they're not using it because they, they said that they, you know, have never well, said that they wasn't using it.
1: Okay, regardless of the mask or Ghostface or whatever, what is the actual tentative storyline in this? Like, what are they doing with this? Uh
0: When – <laughs> what starts as a YouTube video going viral soon leads to problems for teenagers of Lakewood and serves as the catalyst for a murder that opens up the window to the town's troubled fa- past Lakewood. It's Woodsboro, right?
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Lakewood. They've changed. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So, um, maybe this is like the next town over. There's a school. Something. There's a fucking
1: school in our, in my, in my city called Lakewood. That's, that's lame. Yeah. Come on. There's
0: a street on my, Town that's called Elm Street. Big wolf. well. Let's just
1: put it this way: we don't really know a lot about you know the Suspiria TV show or whatever they're calling it, the Three Mothers. But I, that sounds a lot more intriguing than the Scream one. I, I, I honestly think the Scream series. I, I don't know. I think we touched on it before, but I I just said that I think it's just not. Good, I think it's going to fail.
0: Oh yeah. I don't, um, it
1: was one I just well, figured that wasn't a really going to work.
0: Fail because I said that I feel like it's going to succeed in terms of numbers. No way. <clears throat> it's gonna. I feel like it's going to fail critically a lot but me too i know that there's fucking lots of teenagers who watch mtv and w- even watching the trailer i was like this is just feed for them this is the shit that they love so i don't know like you know maybe like 12 13 14 year old girls and shit i can totally see this being but in my eyes that's just show a total for them. Fail. <laughs> Well, i mean but there's two kinds of fails right that's a fail to us but credit yeah, but, but, yeah. but you well, know, numbers I mean, that's wise what I was that's yeah. that's a success.
1: Well, totally it is because there's more, you know, 13 14-year-old people that it, it just it works for that crowd and
3: All about money, man.
1: There there's more people that are going to accept it then, you know.
0: Yeah, but I I'm I'm going to completely reserve my final thoughts cuz I like I, I don't, said I will watch the pilot and I'll let you guys know what what's going on with it in June.
1: And this is actually it's an MTV thing?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. going to premiere on MTV. That's right. So that's pretty yeah, shitty, I, all
1: right. I really just don't have any hopes for this at all.
0: Yeah, yeah me, me, neither. I, me neither, but I am a Scream fan, and I do love the series, so I do have to see what's going on with it. After mm. that, we have the Weinstein Company coming out and saying that they want to do a It Follows sequel. Um, I guess it's been pretty successful. Uh, Jeremy had some numbers a while back, said that it was doing pretty good theatrically for... It did
3: really, really good.
0: The amount of theaters that it was in, it did pretty well, I guess. Yeah, it did really good. So uh, basically they said that already the success of It Follows has exceeded our goals. The ultimate goal for us is we want to see a sequel. That was the uh, president or co-president of the Weinstein Company who said that. So. Looks like they're looking great. So they're see- going to
3: ruin this like they fucking ruin everything else.
0: Yeah, I love sequels. So you know, oh, I haven't man. seen the film yet, but
1: I just really want to see the film. I keep hearing it's good. I saw things. It. And that's I really actually cool that it's like a, a you know a fucking theatrical film that's being highly regarded. So that yeah, gets me good. excited. So it's, it's, it's just not very often we get. I get excited. Oh, that was in the theaters. It was good. Oh, fuck, read yeah. right on.
0: Well, it wasn't supposed <laughs> to be. That's what even makes it more surprising to me. It was an indie. Well, it. I level know. It's thing just and it the, did it's so the fact well that
1: it is, yeah it did it's so well that,
0: that it paid yeah. to the theaters and I was like holy shit that's great yeah, news but for me I, I, I'm almost at the point where I want to wait now because I feel like there's too much hype right now for me that if I just wait another like maybe towards the end of the year show and then watch it at that time I'll won't worry about overhypeness and stuff like that so I'm going to chill on it for a little bit
4: mm-hmm
0: So after that, uh, we have a bit of interesting news. I thought this one is something that Moods would really like. Uh, Last year, we saw High Eight, a homage to shot on video films. Uh, Now there is a sequel called High Death, which is currently in production. Four of the directors of High Eight are going to be returning, including Brad Skies, Tim Ritter, Marcus Koch, and Todd Sheets. The new – so the four, the, the four headliners. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. New to the mix are, drum roll, please. Ryan Nicholson. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> who did, uh, the puppet monster. I mean, who, who did fucking live feed, gutter balls, collar. I hear about this. Hanger. no i didn't
1: hear about the sequel
0: oh, you're gonna get a bow oh wow okay so this is definitely some good news so ryan nicholson uh is the first one that is also going to be included and the second one is dustin wade mills wow uh, who did of course <clears throat> bath salt zombies puppet monster massacre uh skinless her name was torment list goes on and on kill that bitch kill that bitch um so yeah, so the, the the those two are now involved, which I believe is is something Jesus. that Moods might have even mentioned a while back that if he he would love to see an anthology with some of those guys. Um so they will this time they'll be utilizing high def defini- high definition equipment and given longer running times between 10 and 15 minutes to work with. The mission statement is the same, shooting on locations with practical effects, bare bones equipment packages and minimal crews. Uh, In addition, High 8 had sort of a lighter tone, but their goal this time around is to make a much more darker, more challenging, more scary film because the anthology market is so glutted nowadays, they knew they had to stand out from the pack. Sounds Mm -hmm. great to me. That's right up my alley. Dark, scary, challenging. Yeah, this This is going to be
3: fantastic.
0: Oh, this is amazing, man. Like, I loved High
1: 8. Hi8 was so good, man. It, it was really, really a big surprise. Well, not really a big surprise. to I me. Mean, I just, I saw it, you know, in the new year. I wish I had seen it actually in 2014 because it would have made my top favorite films of the year. Uh, so much fun is going on in there. But this is, you know, the addition of, uh, you know, Ryan Nicholson and, and, and Dustin Mills. This is just exactly yeah. what I wanted. You know, I talked about this and you're right. I did talk about this before. I mean, Ryan Nicholson has been involved in anthology films before. It's where Torch came from. You know, uh, that's about a 45 minute short in this anthology film that he that came out a few years back. Um, it, I think it was like one of his first films actually. But this is cool, and I know Dustin Mills has been involved in a couple before too, which I have not seen his segments in uh, the anthology films that he did before.
3: What has he done?
1: Oh, I can't even remember what they are. Like, I, I don't even know if they've ever even been released. Or they're, they're on his IMDb page though. But um, yeah, this is that is quite the lineup right there. And it's called high death, right?
0: Yeah, high death.
1: Going to be focusing on high death and focusing on high death. Okay, man, this is awesome.
0: Yeah, I thought, Did, I thought that it see, this is precisely
1: good. this is precisely why I stay away from the news and don't pay attention to anything because then you get reactions out of me like this. So
0: yeah, sometimes you know. I'll be on the Facebook page and I will literally just you know get news and then like two hours later I'll see somebody share it and I'll be like, well, this is going to be a little less exciting when I talk about it now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm surprised no. I mean, if someone did share, somebody did
0: share it on the page. I think it was Derek actually.
1: Okay, so I totally missed it then. Yeah, I did not even notice.
0: To be honest, that's actually where I seen it because I didn't see this one. This was actually reported by Fangoria, which is Mm. uh, a site that I do go to, uh, but not as often because they don't do as much news stuff. Normally, when they do, it is exclusive news stuff that uh, is not anywhere else at the time. Uh, but yeah, Derek actually—I believe it was Derek—reported uh, on to the Facebook page about this. But I thought it was great news. I, I even thought that the write-up that Fangoria did explaining what was going on with it was great as well. That's that's a great—you know—Fangoria's classic and knows how to do that shit better than uh, anybody. So, oh yeah,
1: this is just going to be so amazing too because these guys have been working together. Like Marcus Koch was doing effects on uh, her name is Torment 2. Uh, for Dustin Mills, just recently, and of course, you know, I mean, this is just amazing. Like, you know, the effects in this film are going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Ryan Nicholson, Dustin, Ryan. Wade, Marcus Koch, like Marcus Koch is probably one of the best guys, you know, in the indie scene for effects and stuff. Like, the guy is really, really amazing. Um, so I have nothing but high hopes for this. Like Todd Sheets and uh oh, Brad Skies like this is this is amazing. Man. Yeah,
4: it's gonna be pretty cool.
1: I I literally dented the bottom of my poker table. I think it's ruined <laughs> actually. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so one more thing before we get to DVD announcements. I was uh poking around and I found the trailer for Lake Placid versus Anaconda <laughs> which premieres tomorrow on the Sci-Fi oh, channel, okay? My. So I watched it and my <laughs> god, I'm definitely tuning in to Lake Placid versus Anaconda tomorrow night. This show won't be out in time for to tell you guys about it, but I will post it on the Facebook Everybody gotta check this out. It's gonna be ridiculous. Uh the anaconda looks like a skinny snake. It's weird. Like it, it like it, how the anaconda in like the anaconda films were like real thick. This is like a little like garden snake, but it's you know, <laughs> obviously giant. But it's its width is just very skinny. And I shit you not, the snake and the crocodile have Babies. So we're getting like a mixed match <laughs> anaconda thing when, when the babies hatch. It was only like a thirty second promo, and it just came out like yesterday and the it it premieres tomorrow. So I have a feeling they rushed the hell out of this because they ran out of time. So uh Oh
1: my god, this is so awesome. So I channel tomorrow. We have
0: Lake Blasted versus Anaconda, who will be the better of the CGI? <laughs>
1: Lake Placid versus Anaconda. That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> I just can't believe it's like... It just sounds like it's a lake versus a snake. Right? Yep. Yeah. Right? You know, it's just like the title is so misleading. That should be, <laughs> like, that should be the should We have a killer lake versus a, versus a giant mutated... Well, not even mutated, just huge snake. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's so good, man. It's so good. Yeah,
0: that that, should go Anaconda the looks title. like shit, dude. I'm telling you right now. It looks... Like, worst snake CGI I've seen, probably.
1: But, you know, you can't even fuck up a cgi lake, either. It's just, like, flat blue. <laughs> like, you can't fuck that up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, on to the DVD announcements. First up, we have uh, They Will Outlive Us All. This is going to be hitting DVD May 9th. Uh, it takes place in New-, New York as a bunch of, quote-unquote, frankenstorms. Uh, is rolling through. The food source is low. The bridges and tunnels are closed. It's a post-apocalyptic city where roommates are battling against, I think, cockroaches, actually. I think it's cockroaches. Yeah, so, so that's going to be about killer cockroaches um, in New York City, and that's why it's called They Will Outlive Us All because, of course, cockroaches are very, very And they haven't made a cockroach movie
3: since Joe's apartment.
0: I doubt that's very true, but I do love some uh, cockroach horror. There's a good one called Bug from 75 and, of course, uh, The Nest. So after that, we have uh, Fangoria reporting on – this is one of those exclusives that I was talking about. But Cult Epics has picked up – shit.
3: Here we go. (laughs) It's
0: like Todes (laughs) King. George (laughs) – Uh, you know, the guy who did uh, the necromantic films, it's called The Toadskin King. Toad's King uh, which translates to The Death King. Uh, this is going to be hitting Blu-ray and DVD for the first time later this year. Uh, it will be limited to 3,000 copies, but it's one of those things where it says the first 3,000 copies of the Blu-ray will include collectible artwork, so I guess the yeah. next 3,000 will not, so it's not really like limited, but It is fucking corpse, corpse fucking art. An hour long shocking (laughs) entry on the film will will be included in the Blu-ray. It's literally called corpse fucking art. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> that's awesome. You have an introduction from the director of the film, uh, a couple other special features, but uh, suggested retail price for the Blu-ray is thirty four ninety five. The DVD is twenty nine ninety five. Called Epic's putting out uh, this film on June 9th actually. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I think it's like an anthology or something. Actually, it follows you know seven stories of death and suicide, each taking place mm-hmm. on a different day of the week. Sounds interesting yeah. to me. Mm-hmm.
1: And then let's just hope that Cult Epics announces Shram. Yeah. That would be fucking amazing Was well, that his
0: fourth awesome. film? Yeah, but yeah. it's like
3: out of print and hard to find. Yeah,
0: it's like
1: super fucking
3: so hard is to like find. So it was like everything man. else dude's done. So
0: that would be I cool, know. Cult Epics. I mean, I, I think Moon's actually called Dirt Toad's King. So I, uh, did. I did. Yeah. After that, we have a announcement for Wolfin. This is going to be coming out through Warner, Warner Archive. This is a Blu-ray. Uh, it does not have a release date yet. It is to be determined. But 1981's Wolfin will be hitting Blu-ray under Warner Archive.
1: I actually found a... Someone asked if uh, the Warner Archive Blu-rays were burn-on-demands. I was wondering that as well. They are, but they're actually pressed discs, though. Hmm. Which is interesting. I thought that was <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. So,
3: so that I think somebody posted expenses. a I think somebody posted a video on the Facebook page of to show that they're pressed.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually really cool. So why don't they do that for their DVDs then? It's the same company.
3: It's fucking it's that stupid. do these burn on
1: demands. Yeah, the burn on demands are just you know honestly they do a really good job with them. They put really nice artwork on the disc and stuff. They're just burnt discs But I mean, if you didn't flip it over, you'd never know the difference.
3: Yeah, it's annoying though
1: yeah I don't know I have no problem like Killer Party like fuck dude the transfer on that is like beyond amazing it's crazy yeah. so
0: so after that uh, Kino announced that they will be doing MGM's Burnt Offerings the 1976 film that should be coming out on Blu-ray around Halloween time so probably around October nice it's
3: not really that far away it's only six months October
0: yeah Uh, Then after that, we have Scream Factory announcing a couple titles. We have The Legacy, uh, which will be coming to Blu-ray for the first time. That is a universal film, and it's one of the two films that made me and Moods realize that uh, Scream Factory's deal with Universal is back in effect. Of course, it's you definitely remember...
1: definitely back in effect. Yeah. Yeah, sure. you remember... I, I always get that fucking movie mixed up. The Legacy mixed up with The Uncanny. I so... had to look it up. I was like, is this The Uncanny? I was like, no, that's the anthology film with Peter Cushing from a, like a year before. And then The Legacy is like a
3: totally different film. I was fucked up, dude. <laughs> so, does this, <laughs> does, so does this mean Candyman?
0: Uh, no, she? because uh, actually, who owns Candyman? Universal. Tri, TriStar owns Candyman. I think it Universal. Universal? Yeah. Uh, Universal. Does Universal own TriStar? Because TriStar is the one that put out Candyman. But TriStar is defunct. Who owns TriStar is the question. I'm pretty sure Universal. It's probably okay.
1: Universal. Well,
0: that would be pretty amazing. But the Candyman rights, from what I hear, are all effed up. Of course, MGM owns Part 2. And Part 3 is actually owned by Lionsgate, Lionsgate. Lionsgate which is Artsy. Artisan. Yeah, Artisan. Artisan yeah. So, yeah. um, But... As me and Moods were talking, when Scream Factory first came out, they had a lot of universal titles like The Fun House and Terror Train, They Live. Uh, And then even later with uh, I believe Body Bags was universal as well and Cat Mm. People. And then their deal kind of died again. So now we're seeing a resurrection of that deal. uh, Mm, That's interesting
3: because Body Bags is art So maybe it is universal. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Rump, Skilt skin is fucking artsy
4: and yeah. <laughs> so I, I, mean,
3: honestly,
1: it's so confusing sometimes, man. Oh
0: my god, yeah, like, like no I get so confused
1: by this. Who owns what? Because there's only uh-huh. there's only so many major studios, and they seem to own all these other sub companies. And
0: yeah,
1: well, I don't fucking know.
0: Even me, Moods was going through Universal's uh, library, and mm-hmm. came across Tales from the Hood, which, according to all signs, seems that Universal owns the rights but i had heard before that spike lee actually owns the rights so who the yeah, fuck knows own- it's so hard to find out unless you're getting paid to do it i doubt you have the resources that you know yeah. an average joe has it's confusing
1: it's confusing when it comes to hbo because hbo i always thought owned their own things and that's why they weren't getting released because hbo is notorious for not putting their shit out again well, or re-releasing it and stuff so i don't know what the fight is spike lee owns it why Gigi. the fuck that, why
0: doesn't it have a blu-ray release i know right Season i really age. would like you know if anybody could find out out there let us know man let us know Yeah, that's
1: really true because it's not like his films are like hard to find he's actually filming Kielson, a, but...
0: he's actually filming a movie in
3: chicago i should totally go onto the set and be like where the fuck's tails in the hood you bitch yeah, <laughs> totally in the face. yeah.
0: Okay. well hbo is owned by uh time warner i believe right which is uh yeah. Also, uh, who's Time Warner owned by, though? Comcast.
1: <sighs> Man, it's interacting <laughs> my brain. Like, honestly, Timecast, I, I'd have to, like, go and.
0: It's owned by
3: Warner Brothers, right? I thought it's owned by Comcast.
1: That would actually make sense.
3: What, Warner Brothers? Warner,
1: yeah. Because don't Warner Brothers own, like,
3: most shit? But yeah, it's not like it's Warner so Brothers weird. is copyrighted. So, I so
0: yeah. Um, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so yeah the legacy that's the 1978 supernatural film after that they announced the sentinel which was actually the film that they announced first it kind of shocked us because that was this the, the first of the uh, new universal films that they're announcing and they've actually announced two other films since then one was the legacy which is also a universal film so it seems like they're going full force universal right now so the sentinel is uh the 1977 film I'm actually completely unfamiliar with it. It has a planned release of August as well as The Legacy has a planned release of August.
1: It's a it's a really, really awesome ghost film. Cool. It's good shit. Yeah. You know when they made good ones back in the day? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, though.
0: After that, we have The Human Centipede Part 3 was announced for limited theatrical release. VOD platforms May twenty second, 2015. From, I don't know, the fucking stills
1: for this look so funny, dude. I was laughing yeah, so I was hard, laughing pretty in, hard in the fucking jail yard, and yeah, the like one outside of <laughs> ass yeah. to mouth. I was yeah. just
3: like, oh
0: god, <laughs> it
3: had me laughing pretty hard. Too. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good.
0: Is that IFC? Is IFC still involved with the human centipedes?
3: I think so, yeah.
0: I had no idea. I'll
3: watch it, even and though so I hate them. Th-
0: that's coming out yeah. in May. After that we have a IFC Midnight film that was picked up at the uh Tribeca Film Festival festival I believe and that is a film called Stung which is uh kind of a killer wasp mutated movie type thing so that's IFC Midnight uh not sure if that will eventually get released by Scream Factory or not I hmm.
3: assume so
1: killer yeah. wasp man you know they do make a they make a little bit of those films but some
0: of them are Bad. there's Ugh, a lot a lot of bad ones bad. but i just love the good ones so much that i always like just hope for more killer insect movies <laughs> mm. i'm actually quite
1: interested to see what film screen factory you know releases in the future of of these ifc's and... yeah because
0: there's a lot and i don't know if they're doing That's them all or just select ones but as of right now it seems like they're doing them all because none have been released under the pure ifc banner since screen factory and ifc made that deal well
3: there's only been two two mm. but two IFC scream factories that have been released yeah but how many have been
0: announced like two five or something really yeah uh, Mm -hmm. extraterrestrial um, then they just announced two more yeah there's like five or six that have been announced I believe oh Hmm. yeah So after that, we have Artsploitation finally coming back. They were on hiatus for 16 months, actually.
1: Yeah, Um, I was wondering what was going on with those guys. So
0: they're coming back with a slew of titles. We have 10 titles. First of all, we have Cub, which is uh, hitting August 18th. That's a Belgium film. That's probably the most notable one that I know out of the list because I've been hearing rumblings about Cub for a long time now. Uh, Then they have Der Samurai from Germany. That's coming out June 9th on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, Then we have House with a Thousand Eyes. That's from the USA. That one's hitting June 16th, 2015. Uh, Then we have Horsehead from France, which will be hitting June 23rd, 2015.
1: Which I actually grabbed from, uh, from Black Fawn. Oh, really? distribution in canada so yeah they got uh i know that was a weird one because people that were collecting those were like oh that's being released by our exploitation Is like nah. but i'm sticking with black fawn canada
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and nobody else so after that we have reckless that oh, is coming that, out man have the- you see how many people have been picking up all the titles <laughs> yeah i mean even black you.
1: even black fawn even fucking they saw my video and posted it on their wall yeah because
0: they noticed There's- they had a I- spike by like 15 sales and it was like this is the most we sold all year <laughs> <laughs>
1: fuck off man i kid they're, they're I are doing kid, good shit I kid. it's just nice to have a company in canada that's actually releasing you know good indie films and you know well, good, shit it's nice stuff. to just have
0: a company in canada probably
1: it is true it is true all <laughs> the other ones melted you know yeah. all the buildings melted so uh
0: after it that is. reckless from the netherlands that comes out july 14th and finally dealer from france that comes out september 29th and uh, those are our art exploitation films that are coming out from them. And finally, the last announcement was the People Under the Stairs from Scream Factory. Of course, the one and the only Wesley Craven's 1991, the Year I Was Born, classic. One of my favorites. The People Under the Stairs, hit, getting a collect collector's edition coming out in August. No announcement on special features yet, but it does have one sexy ass cover art oh yeah it's fucking awesome i just love the blend of purple uh it truly looks great jeremy what do you think of that cover art and the announcement
3: i love the cover i even said that on the page like only one thing needs to be said that cover art because it's fucking amazing it's so it's so fucking well done it's not like the fucking sleepaway camps where the freaking heads look stupid
0: yeah, I um, was slightly disappointed in those Sleepaway Camps, but uh I just love the look of the purple, right? Like the yeah, purple. Yeah, it's nice. Just How many artists so well.
1: does Screen Factory have doing? I think you know, they
0: have 2 or 3. Uh I know okay. for a fact they have 2. Mm-hmm.
1: Like J uh Jason Milliner, um and uh, he's a guy I know. Do you know who did the cover arts for the Sleepaway Camps?
0: The what, what's funny is the same guy did Yeah, I would he, think so. All 3 of them actually. Oh, yeah, really? Not
1: so. you, could tell, yeah, that, you could
3: tell they're similar.
1: That People Under the Stairs one, man, the colors on that, holy shit. I know mean, you just touched on that, but that's fucking... It's nice. Looks really, really good. Like, it really pops. It's good.
0: Yeah, I so. was actually... I, I, I was as satisfied as I could get with that cover art announcement. I was actually... A little more because we had all thought that people under the stairs would eventually get a Scream Factory release if they restructured their deal with Universal. Of course, when the Bare Bones edition came out last year, we was a little less sure that it was going to be happening. But we still kind of had you know, thoughts and hopes that it might. And I always thought, like, what would the cover art look like? And I was not even expecting anything that good. So I was extremely mm-hmm. satisfied with how that turned out. That one was actually done by D. Bourne or something. Uh, okay yeah so you know um, this is one of uh, many Universal Wes Craven films that are out there uh, Universal also owns the rights to The Serpent and the Rainbow and Shocker uh, they also own the rights to John Carpenter's The Thing um, and a couple other films so what do you guys think you think we'll see Shocker and Serpent in the Rainbow next
3: definitely not the thing
0: Probably no. We'll we'll definitely definitely
1: see. (laughs) We'll definitely see "Serpent in the Rainbow" and "Shocker" for sure.
3: Oh, can you imagine the "Shocker" cover art? Oh, I could see it now. Yeah, we're shocking. Like the
1: actual poster art for his kick ass, anyways. Like, so, so many oranges, would be fucking yeah.
0: amazing.
1: I, 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 Serpent and the Rainbow, I think, it would be oh, a really yeah. fucking cool one yeah, too, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Serpent and Rainbow would be dope. I'm personally that's only if
1: they decide to do you know collectors editions with you know new artwork and stuff too. So yeah. Who knows.
0: So hopefully they do. If they do those two films, they are collectors editions. I think they deserve to be. I understand why they didn't make Swamp Thing a collectors edition, but. Pretty much all of the other West Craven films are a little more popular. It's
1: it's probably because that movie's not very good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not kinda, a big fan of it at all. I'm kind of liking, you know, some of the main American directors like Carpenter and West Craven and uh, you know Stuart Gordon stuff like that. It seems like they're really focusing on trying to like get as much of these guys' libraries as possible. Where, We've seen so many Carpenter films released through Scream Factory. There's really only one or two left, and they're more of the lesser popular films. Um, now, hopefully, we can see the rest of Cra- Craven's library getting announced and getting the collector's edition treatment. I would love to see The Serpent in the Rainbow because I've really never heard Craven talk about that film. And it may mm-hmm. not be the best film in the world, but it's definitely a weird out there. Uh, voodoo zombie. It's one of the better examples of a voodoo zombie film.
1: It would A documentary on that would be really interesting because I know certain things like they had a lot of problems while filming that in Haiti. Um, not only having to deal with the Haitian government and stuff, but they had a lot of problems with people getting sick and just mm-hmm. shit like that going on. Yeah. So there was a lot of fucking technical issues that were going on with the making of that film. And you know, it's, it's quite impressive. I mean, sometimes it shows on the screen too that they were kind of limited in things that they were able to do because they were actually fearful for their lives at times, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there was a lot of problems, so you know I think a documentary and just a commentary and like all that type of things would be really you know interesting
4: mm-hmm.
1: and Absolutely. and you know worthy of a collector's edition for that film. So, Shocker, on the other hand, you know it's it's more of an updated Friday Friday the <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street kind of deal, you know supernatural slasher type deal. Um,
3: would be so fun.
1: It is, man. It's not a great film, but it's fucking so much fun to watch, and the soundtrack yeah. kicks ass. So every, it's just entertainment value. Oh, yeah, I send you
0: that. Yeah, it, it, yeah. that's exactly how I feel about Shocker. Is yes, it is. It is a really fun film. I've always liked it since I've seen it, which was only about a year or two ago, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to do on the Wesley Craven show. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the long lost Wesley Craven special on the burial grounds. I watched Shocker for the first time, and you know I, I really enjoyed it, and. I'm uh, but I've always, you know, also been aware that there are some major technical problems with that film, but it is a hell of a lot of fun. So, Shocker, I would love to see a collector's edition as well as The Serpent and the Rainbow. I'm super excited that a uh, a deal has been struck with Universal because as uh Moods and myself has said, you know, that that is something that needed to happen this year for Scream Factory to kind of give everybody a rebound. second wind. Yeah. Um and I do know that before they were going to re they were going to release the child's play sequels two and three and then universal put out that box set so they decided not to so my question to you guys is now that they have another deal with universal and even though the people under the stairs was already released they released it again anyway they're going to do their version of it will that happen with the child's play sequels
1: I can honestly see it happening. Doesn't matter to it, me. I'll
0: buy them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you think about it, when you think about it, uh, the Chucky box set that came out—those um, are the shitty. two. Fi- those are the two films in the box set that don't have any features. They're bare bones. Yeah.
0: So Which if they want to damn tackle travesty. those, travesty. Yeah. I well, yeah, because the best features one. on those. Because
1: they're the pe- yeah they're the, the yeah t- I, two is yeah. So I think it would be kind of worthy of them to put those out and i think they would do actually quite well because i know that was one complaint that a lot of people have that box that they're like okay there's special features on the first one and part four Bride of chucky and seed and the new one and stuff and like where's the features for two and three but if they want to tackle two and three i think they'll do really well
3: oh man if i I would imagine that collector's edition cover art
0: Oh. Part 2 I have just seen The Factory and all kind of yeah. shit oh man dude would fucking uh, I would not be surprised mark my words if we see the Child's Play films get a Scream Factory Collector's Edition um, as well as any other Universal release out there that's already been released because if they did it with People Under the Stairs uh, it's very possible that they will do it with other films so uh, be careful Plus buying those- your Universal <laughs> films out there guys if you don't want to see them have a the double dip and shit like that I think another factor of
1: Screen Factory possibly releasing two major titles like that is um is for sale val- or for sale issue or reasons too right you know they re- they've been releasing a lot of like uh you know chiller and sci-fi and, and IFC films and stuff I don't know how their sales are doing on
0: those Well, I but do these are know the type
1: of films that they need to release to yeah, kind of the you know contain titles. yeah they have to release those but I think they're perfect ones because of the, the like I said the factor of you know people kind of complaining about those films not having special features at all it's just a fucking film in widescreen right well so that was about all you got with in the box that was mm -hmm. having child's play i think three three has nothing either yeah so yeah Yeah. but yeah i can just see the cover right now
0: (laughs) um i wanted to mention (laughs) since you mentioned sales with scream factory it does seem just based on the amount that i'm seeing pictures uh the amount that scream factory's you know said that they're saying um for the babadook like it's huge that film's selling really well right now so um that's that's kind six of interesting people,
3: six people in one of my classes bought it
0: yeah exactly six it's, people and how many people buy a scream factory release from your class usually <laughs> nobody but me exactly and i don't even buy <laughs> exactly so <laughs> the babadook it's in red box uh some people at work was talking about it come checking it out in the red box it's actually at walmart in both the dvd format and the blu-ray format which is a, i've never seen a scream factory in walmart have a blu-ray i have seen some i've midnights have blu-rays um but that's very interesting that seems like a big hitter this year for mm-hmm. scream factory so good good maybe they'll we'll see they make more money maybe they'll take more risks on titles mm-hmm. that where maybe they wouldn't if they wasn't making any money
3: Ghost yeah. Town can't say that anymore because it's fucking happening. So
4: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The Baba Duke is uh, released under the E One label in Canada. Isn't that fucking stupid? Yeah, so yeah. Well, Canada
0: have, is usually cool. stupid. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck what, when
0: when now did we start calling Canada Canada again? Oh, Canadian! We had a thing there, guys. We had a thing.
1: Um, but yeah, no, I actually just for shits and giggles, I saw it on the shelf at uh, Best Buy now because all of our future shops are now officially changed to Best Buys. But um, so I went, I went and grabbed it and looked at the spine. I was like, oh, E one, nice. I guess that's why I order my shit from the U.S. Yeah, so I get that special up? edition?
0: Baba Duke from Scream Factory? <laughs> Fuck.
3: Best Buy had the special edition in the states.
0: Yeah. Really? Which is some bullshit.
3: But they're the only ones that had it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so uh yeah, that's interesting cuz you know Walmart does have just the standard uh mm-hmm. Blu-ray release of it.
1: It doesn't actually surprise me that the Boba Duke is selling so well cuz it was such a popular film last year and yeah. you know people kind of, you know, gravitate or levitate mm-hmm. to releases like that and it's why not, yeah. right? So yeah.
0: but I mean, if anything it's great because that's a foreign um film you know it might not be subtitled but it's definitely in a different language that uh you know to see it kind of hit the mainstream over here a little bit is is pretty cool because you normally don't see that every you know month or you know that many times a year so uh definitely glad to see people talking about the babadook because it's definitely a good film and deserves a lot of praise so that that mm-hmm. is it for the news, guys. That's all of the news we went through. It. I think we did a pretty good job at not dwelling on things, right?
3: right? Yeah, it only took an hour and a half. <laughs>
1: <laughs> kind of figured the news was going to take a little bit, but you know, that's how it goes. Some nugs, in uh, there, though. What's that? Some nugs
0: in there. Nuggets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that high death or the high death news, I'm still sprung. Put it that way. <laughs> Like really, really cool stuff. So um, but yeah, getting into mood swings here. Um and the uh the release is for you know April twenty I believe is the new one. But you know what I'm gonna do first? I'm just gonna backtrack a couple weeks and just kind of throw out a couple notable ones that I've missed just because of the fact that this week, the 28th has absolutely no releases. At one, <laughs> there's one notable one and that's it. It's really fucking bad. And but the rest of the month was really notable. There was a lot of good releases, there was especially so many releases. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some of the major companies were just bumping their shit out. I don't know. They're obviously not looking at each other's releases cuz they just bombarded the fucking market with releases, so um going all the way back to um I believe I, I we probably did the ones on the 7th, right? uh yeah. yeah we did yeah yeah okay so that's right because preservation stuff so the 14th was more screen factory stuff of course we had the double feature of Carrie and the rage Carrie 2 that came out uh the Duke also came out which we just discussed um the uh, originally arrow was releasing blood and black lace but it got delayed there's some rights issues going on with that but more screen factory class of 1984 came out um more notable uh snaps as long weekend came out uh, the Toxic Avenger Part 2 from Troma. The Woman in Black 2. Now, I've been hearing actually relatively good things about this. Have you guys heard anything about this?
0: I've heard bad things. Uh, I've heard Jason Lloyd over at uh, Horophilia say that it was actually pretty solid. Um, actually, shout out to them real quick. If you check out his podcast, Bloody Bits, he actually reviews every one of these releases you know, weekly. Like He did Long Weekend, Class of 84, Woman in Black 2. Like Most of those releases, he covers them all. So uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in new uh, horror film reviews.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
1: then From the Dark, I've seen people posting about that. I haven't really read anything on it. Uh, and then that film Jin. Yeah, he said Damn. that one
0: sucked too. It was like PG-13, some shit what like that. What the fuck is that?
1: Oh, is that what it was? It was PG-13? Wow, yeah, crazy. Uh, Roadside came out. And, uh, of course, another one from Master Video Spine, which I did pick up at Wasteland and watched. And it was... Awesome shot on video goodness. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, and then on the twenty first we had Dollman vs. Demonic Toys from uh, full moon, of course.
3: Was Charlie Bann at Wasteland?
1: No, he was not actually. I was kinda no. disappointed because I wanted to wanted to
0: bullshit with him was but was Lloyd there or no? Yeah, no, Lloyd wasn't there at the chromatable either. To Charlie Bann. Fuck no. Charlie Bann. I love Charlie Bann. <laughs> I I wanna I just want Charlie Bann to teach me his ways so I could just rip off the entire world. <laughs> Nice. I was like, "How, uh, uh, Charlie? Just tell me one thing. How do you get people to pay eighty nine dollars in shipping for a ten dollars Blu ray release? How do you do it?" <laughs>
1: he is. He's like he's like the David Copperfield of uh, of media releases or yeah, some shit. I don't know, man. I don't know how the fuck. Yeah, because he
3: goes, he he goes into your pocket and he steals your money.
1: <laughs> exactly. He's a fucking magician. Yep. Uh More from Screen Factory here: The Ghoulies and Ghoulies Two, nice. double feature on the 21st now i just got this one and well i actually got that one in the mail too but this one a girl walks home alone at night from kino and it's a fantastic release it's got a slip box and it's got a a fucking um uh graphic novel inside of it too and it's just really really well done release been hearing nothing but good things about the release so i haven't had a chance to watch it so it sucks uh from arrow video blind woman's curse uh, more screen factory. I believe this is a chiller. F- no, I'm not even sure if it's a chiller it's film. Chiller. Like, it's chiller. D- deep in the darkness. Okay. Yep. Um, Another one I have. I just haven't got a chance to watch it. Escape from New York. John Carpenter goodness. Uh, really fantastic Um, stuff right there. And then, of course, from Redemption, we've got uh, the Pete Walker collection volume two. Uh, The first four films that are on it have been released solo from Redemption, but this box that comes with two additional films that haven't getcha. been and yeah. motherfucker that pisses me off because I'm just not, gonna buy it I'm not gonna buy this actually. that's bullshit he'll get
0: it he'll get it In he might not buy day. it right now I'm Watch. not I bet you a year from now he has it he'll be like it was super cheap I seen it here I had to get it
1: well if if it drops <laughs> it, it, from like 60 bucks exactly. to 20 if it drops to 20 bucks <laughs> I'm not paying six I already have four of these films so why don't you sell the, the other
0: places. four films and then buy the box yeah do
1: that no way, man! The fucking redemption line's all numbered and looks sexy and shit. <laughs> it
0: does. You for, you skipped out on Everly though, which is a notable release. It's not that horror, but more thriller. Uh, that's oh, yeah. Joe Lynch's Selma film. Hayek. I've heard good that's things
1: right.
3: about that
1: one. Everly, yeah, with the beautiful Selma Hayek. Mm-hmm. Um, more notable release. Oh, I heard the Coven is just beyond ridiculously bad.
0: Oh <laughs> god! It, bad looks like, the, yeah, it, it
1: looks like it looks
0: like a terrible version of The Craft.
1: It does, man. Yeah. It's like the exact same fucking cover. I, I saw
3: somebody Horrible. say that when they were talking about the covers. Like, it looks like the craft.
1: It, it does. It, it that is, is the, the craft cover. cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, this this release right here from Full Moon, I've been interested about. Mansion of the Doomed. Uh, I believe it's a film from the seventies or whatever. But that's
3: some pretty cool covers. You want to know the? You want to know the sad thing? It's already a penny on Amazon. What is <laughs> the Coven?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> crazy uh more notable ones here this movie sorrow actually looks kind of cool i i don't know I'm, I'm always a sucker for these type of fucking
0: you see this cover all the time down
3: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you just see these it's like a probably a home invasion type film
3: what's it called i sorrow. don't know
1: sorrow uh now this one right here 10 it's got me intrigued man uh i love the cover it's got like a cartoon piggy with a hand with a human hand i don't know it's, it's like a, a puzzle game.
0: piece thing though it's like weird yeah
1: yeah it kind of looks intriguing a little bit and then for the new releases for the 28th um i guess i'll just go through them all i guess there's nothing really that notable but the barber don't know anything about it at all uh the boy next door with jennifer lopez j-lo j-lo sexy
0: and thrilling it's sexy and thrilling. Jennifer Lopez's
1: name just just made our podcast. I we heard it's, I heard that J. movie's. In.
0: I heard that movie's horrendously bad. Yeah, but oh. Cinema Blend says it's sexy and thrilling. Well, he could suck mm. my dick. Well, that would not <laughs> and be sexy nor <clears throat> thrilling.
1: The notable release from this week from Scream Factory from A Whisper to a Scream.
0: Did uh, you hear what they was doing with their? Uh, if film, you ordered directly film. from their site, Get a piece that of film. that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You get a piece. You get a negative from. Yeah, the
3: film.
0: yeah. Cool. You get like a slice of the sli- negative, a, a sliced off piece of the negative, and um, it comes with a card signed by the director. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. really cool. Uh, this one right here, of course, Lord of the Flies, the eighties version, version
1: is being released by. Uh, I think this is all of that's putting this out.
0: Oh um, wow! I've only actually seen that version. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, the original one is from the early sixties, I believe. Uh, yeah yeah, 62 or something like that black and white um yeah you know of course the the 80s version is probably the more common one for
0: yeah i mean it's actually kind of almost like a horror type film in a way like just a little bit more of like darkness and it would totally be Mm -hmm. a horror film so it
1: still cracks me up when when, you know dude
0: (laughs) don't even say it
1: (laughs) it gets me every time um, and that's really about it, man. Like, I don't even want to, to even go ghost stories
0: coming out though, from the BBC. Ghost story from BBC. Okay, yeah. I don't. Could know why, there be why... a more generic, like ghostly? It's literally called ghost story. <laughs> <I know. laughs> is it ghostly?
1: I don't know why Spaceballs is listed on here, but whatever. Yeah. Um, you it, know, because it's, with it's heart, genre Adelian stuff, Wild you heart. know. So exactly. Wild at Hearts coming up from David Lynch. It's one of the strangest films. It's so fucking weird. Um, but that's really about it. You know, like like I said, the notable one from this week is From a Whisper to a Scream. And of course, I guess Lord of the Flies, too, if you want to put that in there. Um, so yeah, that's gonna do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases. I guess from the last three weeks, lots of
0: good stuff. It's just been like oh man,
1: so yeah. much fun. Fucking money! Yeah, I haven't been able to buy a
0: single thing too, so it's just driving me crazy. Well, oh, I should
1: actually say, I Gone with the Pope is being released on the twenty eighth in Canada. I know it's been released down in the US a few like weeks, back, weeks about ago, a, about a month ago, yeah, or something yeah. like that. So, but um yeah, so that's about it for the releases. Man, I can't, I can't believe after the rest of the month was so stacked with releases, that the end of the month is just like, nah, mm-hmm. we're cool, we're cool, mm-hmm. we're just gonna taper it off a little bit here. So, you know yeah, how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, um, fucking screen Factor. I don't know, man. They're putting it down this month and actually next month and the month after that, I think there's like another 15 releases coming out or something like that is ridiculous. I can't expect people to be buying all this shit. Fuck. Yep. So anyways, that's going to do it for the new releases and now into the voice we got voicemails and questions right
0: uh yeah we definitely have a few voicemails over the past three weeks they actually was flooding in right before our last show which was supposed to be the bad seed and we never was able to record that show um and then we got like one or two from that point to this point so i mean yeah we're a little bit backed up but uh first up let's uh let's say what do you want to hear from let's hear from brandon the good old pal brandon
2: hey guys it's brandon calling in um this week I'm actually going to ask each of you an individual question. Um, for moods, uh, I know you always teasing Jeremy about Oscar films. I'm going to ask you to pick your three favorite best picture winners. Now, I've happened to see seen them all since the beginning of the Oscars. I actually was into all the Oscar films.
0: Yeah, fuck think. you!
2: For me, I mean, it's hard to pick just three, but if I had to pick three that I watch over and over and that are some of my favorites, I would have to go with Annie Hall, Ordinary People, and Silence of the Lambs.
4: Well, that's good um,
2: Jeremy, I've heard you mention that you're a big fan of Rocky Horror Picture Show and I'm wondering if you're also a fan of other musicals slash mock opera type films. You know, something oh, comes okay. to mind of course are
3: okay. I can answer that. Phantom
2: of the Paradise, which we've talked about, and um the other one. Uh, all right. I, I didn't really care for Repo, but if I had to, and Labyrinth, of course. You know, besides those, are you a fan of musicals? Because to me, some of the best musicals I've seen in the last 15 years have been um, Headbig and The Angry Inch, which is actually one of my favorite movies, period. Probably my number one or two favorite movie of all time. Once also one of my top favorite movies of all time I agree that's and I a happen story. to really enjoy the late miz um, musical that came out a couple of years ago uh yeah So comments on that um JP for you um I know you had mentioned once that you didn't see a Serbian film I was wondering if you saw any of the other extreme cinema films any of the August Underground films um Carol uh Cannibal Holocaust um the Slaughter Bombed Dolls trilogy, Men Behind the Sun, any of those and what your thoughts were on those. I personally like most of them. I do not like the All of the Underground films or the Slaughter Vomadolls films. They just they don't do anything for me. I am glad, thanks to Moose and a couple other people, that I sought out other toe tag films like Cellatursica. But to me I'd be interested in seeing a doc documentary done about the making of *Salo*. because that film just intrigued me for some reason. I just want to know what actually went on for the making of that film. And Serbian film, as far as I'm concerned, is a really well-made, well-produced film. Yes, everything on screen is disturbing and nasty, but it's a really good film. And of course, Cannibal Holocaust is a classic. And uh, Men Behind the Sun, to me, is the most appalling of the all because based on true events and People got away with it thanks to the United States.
0: Um, So, uh, actually, Brandon's uh, voicemail did cut off there, but um, he did leave another voicemail to kind of, uh, you know, recap that.
2: Man, three minutes goes by fast. But that uh, was actually the end of it. I just didn't want to leave it on a quick cutoff. Uh, Keep up the good work, guys. Um, Like I said, I'm sending all of you guys, each three movies, Hmm. they've already... I think they've already been shipped. I'm going to double-check that, but uh, I'll let you know more details as it gets closer to shipping dates. Um, yeah, three movies that I want you all to at least watch and give your opinions because I think they're, um, they're to me, they're tens and close to tens in my book. Hmm. So I think uh, potential Hall of Famers in there. Hmm. All right, I'll uh, talk to you guys next week.
0: Bye. So uh, that's, that's Brandon leaving us... Uh, A voicemail there um asking each of us a question so i guess moods do you want to answer your portion
1: first uh yeah okay um yeah i do i tease jeremy to shit about the oscars and stuff but i mean for fuck's (laughs) sakes man i I mean i'm a film lover i i own a shit ton of not only oscar nominated films but winners of course too um So I did a quick little recap. I looked up on the Wikipedia page to find out exactly what the winners were and, and stuff like that. And I, I did realize, like, a lot of the nominated films were probably more of my favorite ones that didn't win. Me too. Um, you know, it, it's kind of odd how that works. But I did realize, I kind of went through the whole history. And the 70s, fuck, man, they had a lot of good winners. You know, obviously there was some really great runner-ups too. But um, the three that I kind of directed my attention to right away was, uh, I'll just start at number three, um, is uh 1978's The Deer Hunter. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I think the the one major problem with that movie, though, is that the the wedding scene it goes on a little too long. You know, it's there's like 40, it's like 45 minutes of just this wedding party kind of deal. I think that's a little drawn out. But overall, the film's fantastic. It's got some of the greatest Vietnam shit going on. It's just awesome. Uh, number two would have to be Forrest Gump. I've watched this movie seriously so many fucking times i have too
0: man it's one of the most watched movies i've ever watched yeah i absolutely
1: find it to be one of the best structured film it just works so well on all levels tom hanks is it's probably in my opinion it's one of the best performances ever on screen i think it's just fantastic it's so amazing um but my favorite one out of that i could come across is i gotta say it's the godfather 2 yeah. I absolutely love The Godfather 2. I think it's such a brilliant film. It's so amazing. It's long. It is, but it's so worth the watch. If you've never seen The Godfather films, I, I think The Godfather 2 is far superior to the first one. That's just my opinion. I agree. Everything about it, though, the way the story is told, the acting, just, oh, it's so brilliantly made. But And, of course, you know, I was looking at some of the other winners, but I, I noticed the 70s had some really good Oscar winners. 1976, of course, was Rocky. Um, yeah, Rocky. Fantastic classic. film,
0: which shouldn't have won, but
1: it shouldn't have. What but should it, have? It's a, it's a pretty good, you yeah. know, film. Yeah, uh, I what, agree. What but... was
0: it up against? Do you know offhand? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Nineteen seventy-six, I believe it was. Oh, what was the one that should have won? <laughs> Fuck, I can't even remember now. Indeed. I don't have the page up, but it is it is kind of the odd one that did win. But it's still a great film. Uh, more from the seventies, man. Starting in nineteen seventy three is The Sting. The Sting. If you've never yeah. seen the movie The Sting, holy fuck, is it ever good, man! It's such an amazing, amazing film. Uh, nineteen seventy five, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I believe shouldn't That's have won that year one. either, but it's a great film. Another notable one from the seventies, nineteen seventy seven, It's Annie Hall, which Brandon did, um, <clears throat> you know, mention. Uh, it's not my favorite um, Woody Allen film, to be honest, but From I love it. Hall.
3: Cairo, man. Yeah. That's my favorite. Honestly,
1: I know a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm a huge Woody Allen fan. I have, like, almost all of his films, and I know it's so strange. I never really talk about it. I never show him or anything, but I really do gravitate towards Woody Allen. I, I find him very humorous, and he's an amazing filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, So, Annie Hall, I had to put in there. And, of course, in 2007, which is, I think, the newest one, yeah, is No Country for Old Men. Um, I love the movie with a passion. Cinematography
3: uh, kind of is so the, fucking the, good.
1: The Cohen's Brothers, to me, like I'm I'm such a big fan. I I have all their films. I I, I love the majority of them, but this one right here is just oh man. I, I think it was definitely the best picture that year. But
3: I probably think yeah. that movie probably has the best cinematography of this in a long, 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 long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's mm-hmm. fucking beautiful, man. It, yeah. Ugh. I love that movie. It's but
1: I couldn't help notice. I just wanted to do a couple, you know, uh, you know, my nomination, whatever. But, but I had like, you know, six or seven films from the seventies that just came up, just stuck out right away for me. So I, the seventies was a good decade, man, for films. So, yeah. but it was my fix. Godfather two, man. What can I say? It's amazing. So.
0: So Brandon's pretty much seen them all. That's interesting.
3: Um, besides <laughs> the ones that are lost. Yeah. There's a few that are lost.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, what all right. Is your so, answer?
3: musicals. I'm not a big musical guy, to be honest. Uh, yes, I like rocky horror, but now that you brought up rock operas, I have seen my my fair share of rock operas. Um, that's for sure, and other movies with rock, rock and rolls. And in some way or another, they're actually going to teach a class uh, this semester. But it didn't reach um, not enough people enrolled in it. I was kind of pissed. They were going to do a rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll cinema class, which I thought would have been a fun thing mm. to take, but people didn't seem interested in it, so it didn't get filled, which I'm still bitching about today. I even talked to the professor who was going to run the class. I was like, oh, I'm still mad about that, but uh, Once, you, I know you said Once, that is a, a really, really fantastic movie. It's really, really depressing, but it's a really, really awesome modern um, musical, and I think everybody should watch it. It's not your typical musical, but it's a really, really great film and it's really, really depressing and it has a really, really great soundtrack. So once is really, really good. Um Tommy, which is the Who, uh I I don't think I've said on here. Tommy is probably my favorite album of all time. I've listened to it so many times. So, um the movie's actually pretty it's pretty good. Um it's Oliver Reed and um fuck, what's his name? Oliver Reed and Anne Margaret and uh fucking can't remember who directed it, but um yeah, that's a it's a fun it's a fun movie and of course Rocky Horror Picture Show and um Frank Sampa's Two Hundred Motels with uh, Ringo Starr and I think it's just Ringo Starr. It's a pretty um Yeah. It's a trippy movie. I never mean, yeah. I don't think it's it hasn't got an official official um D V D release, but mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really, really trippy and weird, weird, weird movie. So that's a good one also. But like I said, I haven't really watched too many musicals. So those are just the ones I could think of off the top of my head. I didn't even remember once until you, until you said it. So yeah.
1: Oh, right. just just going okay sorry JP but just to go back to mine there when I was you know 1976 when Rocky won best picture I couldn't figure out what the film was yeah that I think should have won it's fucking Taxi Driver
3: oh yeah uh, that's yeah, it yeah, yeah.
1: That, I knew it was like sitting there on the tip of my tongue so I had to look it up but yeah that was kind of an interesting year because Taxi Driver Shouldn't in my win. opinion is one of the best films like ever made so mm-hmm. come on I mean Rocky's a great film but yeah. I don't know how Taxi Driver got edged out on that that's crazy talk but
0: yeah bullshit yeah, so um, both of those topics, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get asked either of those because the one that I was asked was a little bit easier. Um, I literally know nothing about musicals uh, besides Rocky Horror Picture Show is one. Uh, so my question was, do I know any of the extreme films? Have I seen any of them? And not many, to be honest. Uh, you did mention the August Underground films, and I have seen two out of the three Um it's really not for me per se. I, I'm not really into them that much. But I did think that the first one – I actually did like the first one better than the second one um, just because like the snuff feel of it where it's you mm-hmm. know uh, like handheld camera, uh, crazy torture stuff going on. I'd never really seen anything like that at the time. So I actually really – um, did like the first of the August Underground films, but besides that, not really any of the other titles you've mentioned have I seen. Um, none, of the sl- none of the Slaughter Vomit Dolls or anything like that. Next up, we have a voicemail coming from Chris who asks an interesting question. So, let's Hello,
2: Horror Kings. This is Chris Vance, and I have a serious question for you guys. The question is, the whole world has gone to shit. The zombies are loose. You have one best friend to help you survive this massacre. And your best friend is which horror character would you like to be with surviving the zombie apocalypse? Now, this character could be anyone from Jason or to the clown from Stitches or
3: even
2: <laughs> tomorrow from the rain. Thank you. And please
0: tell me why. It's <laughs> so yeah. fucking hard. Uh, yeah. that's a
1: funny question.
0: I don't know, Moods, what do you think? <laughs>
1: Shit, man. Um <laughs> Fuck, that's one I'd like to actually sit on and think about for a while. Um That's a good question. Yeah. It's creative.
0: Uh
3: to put that in the fucking comments, JP. Did yeah. I forget
0: that one? Sorry yep. About that. Yeah. That's
3: like the hardest fucking one.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it, if I'm really thinking about it, I would probably go would with like The Terminator or something. Um, might not be the most horror, but I do consider the original uh, Terminator film to be, you know, a horror film a little bit. So uh, I would probably go with something like The Terminator.
1: Um, I'm going to go with uh, The Leprechaun. I'm going to go what with Warwick Davis. <laughs> And solely, solely because you know, I just want him by my side. You know, throwing out one-liners, and uh, I feel like I would be, you know, a little above his level. You know, of course, in height and stuff. But I think it'd just be <laughs> awesome to have like a little dude next to me, and we'd we'll be fighting, fighting zombies, yeah. and and sh- I just feel like I would have more of the parts. Now, see, if I pick somebody like Jason Voorhees, he's just a fucking, he's a tank. He's going to do all the work. I'm going to feel neglected and, and just not. And part he's probably going to turn on at all. you. And probably going to kill me, yeah. But I, th- I feel like I can trust the little guy in Warwick, you know, the Leprechaun. I feel like I can trust him. So, you know, and plus he's going to make me laugh, you know. Maybe hey, he'll bring but- his
3: friend Frampercon along.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know the vampire. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, g- I'm going to pick uh, the Leprechaun because it'd just be fucking. It'd be awesome. I think it would be fun times. I would try to film the whole thing too. It'd be fun. So.
0: <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? Um.
3: I don't know. It's a hard question.
0: You said Jason, I believe. Maybe. Yeah,
3: I'd take, but that's an easy way out.
0: Victor Crowley would be cool. I don't know, dude. I think even Jason would get overwhelmed by like a mall full of zombies. No, he doesn't have any emotions. He wouldn't care. <laughs> no, but I mean like physically overwhelmed, like Uh-oh. being like it, it covered in zombies. Like, I don't know how many he, cause he's not that fast, right? So, I mean, mm. I feel like they would eventually just kind of overtake him.
1: Well, is this like Jason Part 6? Because he's kind of a zombie himself.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more of the longs of like Jason Part 7.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, I could see him getting overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sticking to my story, man. I'm taking Leprechaun, man.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, thank you for sending in that voicemail. Next up, we have one of two mm. voicemails from Derek. This one is... The first.
2: Hey guys, Derek here. I was wondering if you guys have ever wanted to check out a certain director's work, but have not done so yet. I know Moods owns everything. (laughs) Also, who is your favorite director that came out of the Corman era of films? There are tons of directors that used to work on his films, like Nicholas Rogue and Joe Dante, the James Cameron, who also made good films and their own. I'd like to hear that guys. Be wicked awesome.
0: Hope they keep uh, up the good work. Peace out. Thank you, Derek, for calling in. Uh, my favorite that came out of the Carmen era was probably Joe Dante, just yeah, in terms that, of yeah. his work that I've seen. I really like those films. I might not like him per se as a director so much but definitely i like his 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 work that he's done but i don't know how much you know that came from him specifically uh besides like you know the scripts and stuff like that that other people wrote uh and the question about the director that uh, i have never really checked out their work of course argento and falchi would probably be the two big ones because i've only seen a couple films from each of them jeremy yeah
3: um i don't know much about corman i have not having watch too many Corman movies to be completely honest but Dante is a good choice too for the same reasons that JP said Um, directors that I want to watch that I haven't seen um, Bava of course both of them as I talked about in my last update I haven't seen or have too many of their films both of their films and then um, Todd Browning, um, a lot of his earlier stuff with Lon Chaney. Uh, I watched a few that I'll talk about one later on in the show. But um, Todd Browning, he he did a lot of interesting movies with Lon Chaney um, before sound. And uh, a lot of ones that have to follow up around um, circus in some way or another freak shows. You know, Freak isn't the only movie that Todd Browning did that refiles around the circus. He was very interested in um, the circus setting and um, you know, directing movies that had to revolve around the circus—I'll talk about that again, like I said in a little bit. But Todd Browning,
0: for sure. Moods. Hmm.
1: Um. As for the first part of the question, uh, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think of who actually worked under Corman. Yeah. I was at the time did Jack Hill that? work? I, you know, I'd probably go with Jack Hill. I'm pretty sure that he worked under. He had something to do with Corman back in the early sixties and stuff, and it eventually did, you know, Spider Babies Spider Babies. Spider Baby and then went on to do um, you know, a, a lot of black exploitation films, which, you know, I find that Jack Hill actually has done the best black exploitation films in my opinion. His films are just fantastic, but
0: so many um, people if, has come from Corman that you could probably just guess somebody and you'd probably be yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I mean I think even like didn't Coppola come from Coppola, you mean? <laughs> did I say Goblet Coppola? It's not like I can't remember, but I think I'm pretty sure Jack Hill did, so if I'm wrong, whatever, you know that, that happens <laughs> so uh, um, what was the other part of the question? Uh, is director. there a
0: director that you just haven't gotten oh, to yeah.
1: any of his work yet? That's right um, yeah, you know, to be honest, man, I, I've checked out a shitload of people's work, but one guy that I have seen a couple films from that I want to check out a lot more from they're just really hard to get over here Um, you really have to import a lot of his stuff and that's Olaf Ittenbach Um, of course he did like the Burning Moon but he's done a shit ton of films like German splatter films that always get talked about on forums and people always mention his name as being you know like just a big huge name in German splatter films and uh, I've only really seen about three of his films I know he's got like fucking 30 of them or something like that so Olaf Ittenbach has definitely got to be my choice Um, it kind of bugs me I haven't seen more so and I love the Burning Moon it's a great film so
0: Awesome, That's awesome. My answer. Uh, so yeah, next up, we have another voicemail from Derek.
2: Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just fucking pulling you late, guys. Hey guys, Derek back. After a very long <laughs> Texas while. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A great few questions for you guys. What is your favorite mask from a non-franchise horror flick? And also guys. Piece of cake. If you were hired to design a mask for a horror film, what would you design? Hope to hear back from you guys as always. It'd be wicked awesome. And have a great, I'm glad you guys are back finally. Peace out. Hmm.
0: So that's Derek.
3: I that guess. last part of the question is hard, but the first part isn't.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny? When I was going through the voicemails a little bit before the show and I heard that, I was like, oh my god, it's Mike or something. But it was Derek. He tricked me, man. He fooled me. So that that was, uh, that was great stuff from Derek. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, what's your favorite non-franchised horror mask? Could you guys guess? Could you guess? Mm-hmm. JP? Babyface? Yeah, The Strangers. For oh, sure. yeah. Those are pretty good. For sure. Hmm.
1: Sure. Um, Modes. I gotta go with uh, one that always kind of sticks out to me is uh, the mask from Curtains. I think it's called the Hag Mask or something. Uh, that one's fucking just oh, yeah. creepy, man. A- it's like an audible
3: old... mention to Crawl Skull too.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, it's like a creepy kind of old lady type mask. It's just, it's freaky looking, man. I I love that mask. I think it's fantastic. Owls,
3: sweet owls. Any more you want to throw in there too? No, I think that's it.
1: Okay, I'll give. I'll give a runner-up to uh, the owl head from uh, Stage
3: Price <laughs>
1: <laughs> for doing this. But no, the hag, mask, the hag mask from Curtains, man. Fucking that old lady face. Oh, fuck. It's creepy.
0: Yeah. Uh, me personally, I was going to go with Chrome Skull, but I wasn't sure if he's considered a franchise. I mean, he does have two, two? films.
1: That's not a franchise. Um,
0: no. Yeah. Okay. So I would probably go with Crumb Skull, but besides that, I've always kind of really liked the Leslie Vernon mask because of it's just it's just a weird simple mask.
1: I actually knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was originally gonna be your pick. Yeah. Yeah. So Crumb
0: Skull <laughs> definitely is is my favorite uh, that I can think of. You know, I haven't I didn't really sit down and think of all of the masks out there, but there's you definitely guys, some cool ones.
1: Have you guys seen the? Have you guys watched Curtains yet?
0: No. No, but I do oh, know I the I the do mask. know the mask.
1: Yeah, it's fucking creepy.
0: Yeah. So, uh if I was going to design a horror mask for a slasher or something man uh, you know I just I really wouldn't know what to do I would leave it to somebody else because mine would just end up looking stupid like the one from Gutterballs <laughs> <laughs> It's fun man It's, it's the just, worst it's mask there is for a horror no, no, it, oh, is. it is that that hurts I'm right being here. honest no. that's an honest assessment of that it's a fucking bowling mask. bag what else are it's you gonna so be? dumb it's so dumb would yeah, you, you rather have a you pin- see this
1: shit JP? you couldn't make it you yeah. could make a pinhead because then it would be fucking it'd be like cone heads
0: yeah be, but or you could like just you know do head. something else you don't have to have a bowling bag mask repping my gutter know.
1: balls my gutter balls i don't know man to be honest you know the first thing that came to my mind was just something ridiculous i think something that i've can't recall ever seen in a film Probably because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and uh, it's. I would design some type of moose head, you know, just strictly. <laughs> you have moose this Canadian, slasher, a Canadian backwoods slasher film and the dude is wearing a moose head. Um, but like have joss. it all mangled <laughs> and set it in moose jaw. <laughs>
3: Well, that's Smith's that
0: 's kevin smith that sounds movie. like the plot of kevin smith 's next movie, but yeah, you know that is actually less ridiculous than the bowling ball mask from gutter balls man i didn 't even think about kevin
1: smith 's movie either, but yeah. is it actually is he actually going to have a moose head
0: it 's called moose jaws yeah it 's no, set I, in moose jaw
1: and it 's no i
0: know but it, no, it's it 's a killer, it's a killer, killer it. moose it 's jaws, but with a moose is what oh,
1: it's, it's oh yeah that 's right that 's right that 's right the killer actually is a moose, but no this is going to be human with the fucking you know, a moose head, which would be ridiculous because they're so damn big. You'd never be able to put, hold, it'd break your neck.
3: Why <laughs> in Deer Girl, they do it.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> what, what about well, that, but what that's a deer. Deer heads are tiny. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no fucking idea. Yeah, leave it up to the art department. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, uh, Derek for calling in once again. Next up, we got the homie Matt.
2: Hey guys, it's Matt again. And uh, from listening to the last uh, podcast, I know you guys brought up uh, hood horror. It's a lot of different movies that took place in the hood. And I think that they need more type of hood horror out there. Like I know when uh, JP brought me on and did the one episode with Hood Rat and Tales from the Hood, well, again, I want to say thank you very much. That was an awesome uh, opportunity. Thank you for letting me do that. I had a blast. But anyway, my question for you guys is, um, if you guys had an opportunity to make your own hood horror flick, what would you call it, and what would it be about, pretty much? And please don't say Sharknado Four in the Hood. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much, guys. And I can't wait to hear more. What's going on with the show? Lot.
3: Well, All right. I, I, w- I would set it on a boat.
0: Later. Yeah. So, um. Hobo
3: in the hood with a sawed off shotgun.
0: That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's Matt, obviously, Matt Cantor. Um, Matt did an episode of that short lived podcast that I was hosting, um, a while back, and we, we covered hood horror, and he did a great job on that show. Matt, maybe you should look into doing some podcasting. Love to hear you. And, uh, what do you guys think? Hey, we can
1: always have him as a guest on here. That is true. During Friday afternoons, I know we're all in different fucking time zones because I'm all the way in Canada and, And shit like that. We can figure out something, man. You can come on and guest host, and we can shoot the shit. I would talk about hood horror.
0: I would love to have him on. That would be great, Matt. If you're ever available on Friday afternoons, hit us up. We'll plan something out, buddy. And uh, what do you guys think? What What would your hood horror be, Jeremy?
3: I'm a shitty person to ask. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) honestly, man, I I just I don't know. I didn't really think about this too much, but um. I was kind of thinking of like a very simple type story about the uh,
3: whitest fucking person there is. So don't ask me. (laughs)
1: Um, So basically, this girl's coming home for Thanksgiving. Uh, She's in school. And so she's driving home for Thanksgiving for the weekend. And she has to drive just the way she took. She has to kind of go through a hood. Anyways, her car, of course, (laughs) breaks down. And uh, a couple of hoodsters, you know, they decide that they're going to, you know, help her out, quote. Uh, but they don't really help her out, of course. They end up raping and killing her. Um, so, of course, this happens in the hood. But, of course, these gangsters and stuff, they don't know who her brother is. Now, her brother is a very, icy. very, very, very – <laughs> yeah, his brother's icy. <laughs> no, he's a – you know, he's very white. He comes from a white suburban neighborhood. But the thing about this character is that uh, he's a shapeshifter. He can shapeshift. And he gets –
0: you lost me. It was going good, man. No, the, that's the thing. It's just, it doesn't even
1: have to make sense. This, okay. her brother is just some random shape. Like, he's a normal guy, but he can shapeshift. And so basically he's kind of like, uh, you know, in a way he's like kind of like a superhero. So he goes on the fucking rampage, vigilante style. But the cool thing about this, it's not I have just no average, idea
3: what the fuck's going on. It, it, it's, a, it's a
1: fucking revenge it's story. It's not that hard to follow, Jeremy. Really? Dude, his sister gets he goes into the hood to seek revenge but the thing is he's a shapeshifter so he can shapeshift into fucking other humans animals even objects so now this whole movie's taking place in the hood shapeshift and would shift
3: into a dildo
1: why not and then you go and fuck <laughs> you fuck these gangsters right in the ass but that's the thing that's kind of the cool twist you don't just have a vigilante story where some it's not death wish you know where he's in the hood and he's just fucking shooting people <laughs> randomly and shit like that this guy can shapeshift so he's fucking shit up like that but it, it's in the hood and but the thing is he's a white guy and he's just in the hood and he's getting his. He's he's in the for his <laughs> there you go. He's a white dildo. Shape shifts into a white dildo. But whatever. All the details are. They remain to be. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, you know, it's a a vigilante story, but it takes place in the hood, and um, yeah, he's a white guy that can shapeshift into a dildo, apparently.
3: (laughs) A white dildo.
1: (laughs) I I like. You you gotta throw that shapeshifting story in there, you know? It's not your average vigilante, fucking revenge-type story.
0: You know, you started off all serious, and I was like, I love these type of movies, the vigilante. Even if it's been done a million times, you can write it clever to do something different. I just... Lose, lose the, lose, the damn shapeshifting, dude! No, no, that's
1: what's <laughs> fucking awesome about it. Man. No, it's that he can uh. shapeshift into like he can shapeshift into a black. No, guy he's, he's gonna shapeshift into,
3: into beyond the Mississippi, and he's gonna kill people as they watch it. He's,
1: no, he's you, the whole shapeshifting part is what separates it from your average revenge story. You know, like people, there's the, people are always just exacting revenge on people and going vigilante on motherfuckers. You gotta, you gotta throw a little bit of a twist in there, man. You know this guy can shapeshift shift into one of their homeboys, and then yeah. he kind of infiltrates that way and fucks shit up, man.
0: Come on, man, you don't see the humor in this? But it's not. Dilda. It sounds like <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hood when they dress up like and infiltrate the Leprechaun's lair when they're dressing up in drag. Dude, that is fucking real people, man. This is a shape-shift. Uh, <clears throat> all right, all right. Fuck uh, that shit. Uh, <laughs> You can catch. uh What's the hey, title? At modes?
1: least I came up with something like Jeremy. Hey, I'll just let the writers write yeah, that e- exactly. one. Exactly.
0: What's the title? Moods
1: Effort, man. It's called Effort. What's the title? Um, Do you have
0: a title for this film?
1: Yeah, it's called White Dildo.
0: Okay, White Dildo coming in (laughs) December 15th of 2015. Uh, The Indiegogo campaign is up on Indiegogo.com. Help fund moods. And you actually can win the dildo that will be used in the film. No, and you
3: could earn part of his beard, man.
0: And he's clipping his beard. And each each individual hair will be mailed out to all the fundraising people. (laughs) So please help out. Uh, Moods' Indiegogo campaign um, let, me,
1: let me know if you guys see the humor in this and it sounds like it could materialize into something pretty humorous and fun it's not Sharknado 4 yeah. but you know this is a white dildo <laughs>
0: um, so mine cool. I'll actually answer this one yeah. and it was kind of interesting that Matt brought up this because I had had something in the back of my head for a very very long time and I didn't realize that it could you know I never thought of it as like a hood horror, but I guess it fits Um, But I had always wanted to adapt uh, Immortal Techniques, Dance with the Devil, to a short format. Um, And I don't know if anybody's ever even familiar with that song, but it's it's one of the most brutal, like – twist type songs. It's like a story that I've ever heard. And I thought that it would be like a great short film all the time. So that would be that my song answer. is actually
1: longer than some short films. Exactly.
0: It's like six, seven minutes long. <laughs> it's like seven um, and a half minutes yeah, long. Yeah. So it, if you've ever heard that song, it's it's a really interesting, you know, deep song that's kind of just punches you in the stomach in a certain way. Um could be a great, you know, short. It really could be if it was in the hands of the the best person which is not me but if it was me that's what i would do um i'm not going to spoil the song uh but trust me it's very intense and it's 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 very uh it lends itself could, very well to film
1: this could be the start of something new you know adapting songs into movies you know yeah, instead right? of taking a film and adapting it in a tv series why not just take a song make a film out of it that's a good idea man i like that
0: yeah, so it's if creative. you've never heard it, I highly recommend checking it out. It's 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 one of those so even if you're not like a fan of hip hop, I think you can appreciate the storytelling in the song. Um so yeah, that's yeah. that's my answer. Cool. Yeah, that will not be on Indiegogo. but um you know, if Moods' film gets funded, then I'll think about throwing mine up there.
1: Well so. if that one gets funded then anybody <laughs> everyone
0: else
3: is But then you're gonna funded. get the sequel double ended White Dildo.
0: Oh yeah, I got a oh, two yeah. end for sure. Yeah. Uh, after that, guys, we have a voicemail from a Rob.
2: Hey, guys. Rob from Georgia. Um, my first question of the week, um, first time ever calling in uh, to ask a question, so here it is. I hope it's a good one. Uh, what was the most terrifying experience you've ever had in a movie theater? I know for me it was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I was only 14 years old, and, uh, and it scared the crap out of me. Uh, before that, I mean, I think I remember the milk truck scene from It's Alive in 74 when it was at the drive-in, uh, sneaking a peek over the back backseat. Uh, Jaws, I know I saw in the theater as a real small kid, but my oh, only yeah. memory of that was, uh, um, I swear that fat lady got <clears> in. I know she didn't, but that was my memory as a little kid. Um, anyways, uh, so what was it? What was your most terrifying experience? Um, I know, again, for me, it was A Nightmare on Elm Street. I was only 14. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Uh, I was in the movie theater. I think I was all by myself. A weekday matinee, my mom dropped me off. And uh, again, it scared the crap out of me. And I don't know if I've ever had an experience since then in a movie theater. Um, then again, it's a little bit harder to get scared these days by these movies. But I was only 14 then and uh, I'll cherish that memory forever. So what was it? The most terrifying experience you've ever had in a the theater.
0: I cannot wait Very enthusiastic voicemail. I love it. Thank you, Rob, from Georgia. Uh, So, Jeremy, what was your most terrifying moment in a movie theater from watching a horror film? The Strangers, for sure. Yeah?
3: That movie scared the living shit out of me, man. How how old was you when that came out? When when it came out, 2007? Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. So, like, 14. Okay,
0: so around the same age, he was fourteen as well when he seen Elm Street. Oh man,
3: that movie built on suspense so well, and just fucking it scared the crap out of me. And I still think that's probably one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in general, not even in theaters, just, just <laughs> in general. Yeah. What about very your- basic movie, but it scared the crap out of me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. What, what about? Uh,
1: <clears throat> Oddly enough. Uh, the film that scared me the most in the theater is is actually not even a horror film. I know this is very <laughs> very by odd. Me. <laughs> It is, man. It's the end of Stand by Me when the, they reveal Ray Brower's dead body. Ah, uh, that fucking terrified me, man. That body looks so real in those oh, yeah. cold dead eyes staring up. I, I'm not joking. I had nightmares for a couple years after that. Mm. I would always think about it and it would terrify me. And every like, I just it fucking literally gave me night sweats and shit even thinking about it but I'll never forget that watching that in the theater and being like it, "It," I froze man I froze and like nothing even ceased to exist at that moment but that body and it just burnt itself in its mind it fucking terrified me man like Oh, even thinking back on it, it was just so surreal. Like, it's just, I can still kind of feel that tension that I had. And I was like, I don't think I said anything on the way home. <laughs> I was fucking, I was like terrified, man. But yeah, oddly enough, not a horror film. Um, I don't think I ever had a really terrifying experience in the theater, to be honest, with a horror film. But, um, yeah, I, I guess that's my answer. So, stand yeah. by me.
0: Leave it to Stephen King to still scare the shit out of you in his non horror efforts. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So me personally, I, I really didn't see a whole lot of films in the theater growing up. I was more of a renter. I'd only really seen like the scream films in the theater, and and I mean those really aren't like scary. Uh, so I I mean I, I I wouldn't have an answer for that question. But the films that scared me the most in general uh, was Pet Cemetery, the Zelda scene, of course, of another Stephen King that just terrified me when I was a kid it you know burned into my memories and I that's the only film that ever gave me like a nightmare but the most scary film that I've ever seen in my entire life that affected me more than any other film was the Blair Witch Project I seen it at the perfect time Uh, I watched it rented it I was a hundred percent convinced that it was real everybody in my family was telling me it was real I was about eight years old uh watching it and you know I live in the woods pretty much. So out my window, I could see trees and marylands you know, not that far away from me. So it just – I thought about the witch traveling. Even though you never even see the witch, I was convinced that you've seen the witch or you like knew of the witch. But I was like – I bet she travels. I used to lay in bed at night and just think of all these damn scenarios that would just drive me crazy. Uh, <laughs> the Blair Witch Project is a film that if you didn't see it at the right time, it's easily – just something that could seem dismissible like, yeah, yeah dismissible but to me it was one of the most terrifying experiences and that's why i think it's one of the best films ever made um in terms of horror that is so yeah uh Blair witch for me but i didn't see it in a theater i wish i would have because maybe i would have been less scared of it around a bunch of people i actually did see that movie in the theater i
3: remember when they were talking about that movie when it came out
0: yeah so uh good question yeah, great question. Yeah, Thank you. And finally, guys, we have one last voicemail. I saved this one for last because I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, this is from Tyler. Uh, he was drinking a little bit, so he calls in and leaves us a voicemail. It runs about two minutes and 11 seconds.
2: Hey, guys. What's going on? This is Tyler. You've probably heard me on the message before. I'm just going to let you know I am blackout drunk right <laughs> now. Blackout drunk right now. But I've been with the podcast. Episode 1, fucking awesome podcast, man. Great First, podcast. Great podcast. First thing ever I ever to listen to, I moved on to stuff like Skeleton with Vanilla Iser. You guys still number one. So, sick, sick bees go all the way to episode 50 that you're going to make it. That's fucking awesome. You're probably going to make it to 100. You guys are legit. But, so my question for episode 49, though, is, so here, here's the scenario. I'm about to get my tax money back. So I'm gonna go. I'm obviously gonna spend that money getting a new tattoo. I already got a horse sleeve, but the bottom half of I'm about to finish it. The bottom half of my horse has to be all John Carpenter. I, I already all John Carpenter. I already have the fog. I already have in the mouth of madness. The back half of it is gonna be Halloween three. I know he's. Fuck he is, is he talking to? of me. It's all about him. Regardless, so I need one more centerpiece, and I'm asking you guys. I have five choices. What do you think it should be? My choices are Christine, the Prince of Darkness. They live. They live. The thing it Escape from New York. I have right now right now, <laughs> I have the fog and the mouth of madness and above that I have Phantasm, Suspiria, it and American Mary. So it's all horror above that.
4: American what do you Mary. guys think
2: wow. should be the last Thing that fills in my horse sleep. I'm done. Da- h- calm down, calm down. I'm, hi- I'm hinging on you guys' answer. This is a... Just, just know, whatever is going to be on, the rest of, on my body for the rest of my life hinges on this call right now. I'm putting this on you guys. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Congrats on 50.
0: So that is Tyler. I thought that was quite an awesome voice. It starts off by saying... Uh, that he's been listening since episode one. And I really don't know how many people are out there who have been listening since episode one. He said he's moved on to other podcasts, uh, which are great podcasts like Banana Laser, Skeleton Crew, but he still says that we kick the most ass. And we're legit, guys. Did you know that?
1: We're legit. He's probably probably the only one since day
3: one. (laughs) The only guy. Man, American Mary. That's dedication right there. I would never get American Mary tattooed. Yeah. um, That's – Moots, I think you're the best one to answer this question. You know, the thing you is, have like a horror sleeve. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: I want to you know, get out, a tattoo. Out of, out of those
1: choices that he gave, you know, the first thing that came to mind was Christine, but then when he said he didn't have the thing, uh, just having that, you know, that image on, I, I would probably go with um, it. It also depends which one you're going to get. Like, I, I can't honestly think of which one you're going to go with, but if you pick the thing, or that's what I'm picking the thing so but i'm visualizing like you know certain things from the film and i don't know that would be mine anyway so
0: yeah what what that's was the other choices choice. again
1: christine uh, prince of darkness
0: the thing the, the thing,
3: thing. I, there was uh, another one too i thought
1: i don't know yeah. not, gee, oh um uh, escape, escape from new, from new, york. new york
0: yeah, yeah i Which go is with is the very, thing
1: with is very iconic too and um, but i would probably go with the thing that's just my personal choice because i think that would yeah, that would fit in with the other shit. Are you ever going to so, finish oh. your
3: sleeve moods?
1: Yeah, eventually. I knew we were talking
3: about that a little while ago.
1: Yeah, I've got like a shitload more to put on there too. And I know it's just...
3: When's the last time you got a tat?
1: Uh, it's been a couple years, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. I, <laughs> I get back in the
0: chair. Know. You, you, know, you know what I think it was? I think the last one was They Live.
4: And oh, yeah. That was right there.
0: I, I started thinking because my initial thought was let's let's do the thing you know it's it's carpenter's best in my opinion it's so iconic and things like that but i started thinking of like like they live seems like it could be an interesting tattoo depending on what you've took from the movie i yeah. uh, like there's like i could see you put like bot like one of the buy stickers like on the sign maybe like the alien faces and stuff like i don't know how much room he has but uh definitely probably an interesting choice would be they live um but the thing is great as well, so I think Moods is going with the thing. I'll say they live. What about you, Jeremy?
3: Hmm. I think a Christine would be a cool tattoo.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. a small I mean one, all like just all a of the car. But
3: uh-huh. you would have to know what it is, I think. I think more I think the thing would be pretty probably the best one out of those five. They okay. Live is a really good choice, too, though. There's a lot of things you could do with that one. Yeah,
1: there is, that is a good one, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> but then I, you know, I like The Escape from New York, too. Like, there's a lot of things you could put into that, too. So I'm such a big fan of that movie. So, but then again, they're all good. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So Tough. we sound a little undecided. So, um,. I guess you're going to be hanging on the waiting thing. a little bit longer. Yeah, I say the thing. <laughs> okay, I say the thing. So, so they're going with the thing. Majority roles get the thing tattoo, but this voicemail is a little late, so he's probably sitting there in the tattoo chair like waiting on our reply. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those fuckers? Yeah. Three but, weeks. But, uh, you know, thanks very much for following us from episode one. I mean, I just think that's amazing that, that you know, there's – you know, at least one person that has been listening that long. And, uh, you know, thanks for all your kind words and, and, you know, definitely thanks for calling in and stuff. You rock dude. Yeah. So that is the end of voicemails.
1: Oh, that's it for the voicemails. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for phoning in. That was, you know, a large amount. I mean, probably due to the fact that we've been gone for three weeks, but awesome. Had fun answering those good questions. And yeah, moving along into the uh, The Corners Report courtesy of Rue Morgue of weird stats and morbid facts. Um, This one is coming from the brand new issue April 2015 issue 154 and they're actually uh, they did a main article on the Changeling which is Canada's chilling ghost story. Canada's chilling ghost story. Classic from 1980. We all know the film, right? Um... Yeah, I didn't really think too hard about this, but you know, I'm probably just gonna go with uh, this one right here. Now, honestly, pronouncing this is (laughs) this is like on a whole different world right here. Um, (laughs) This word, man, holy shit, it's fucked up. But you know, I I thought this was just kind of funny, but it's uh, I think it's uh, ithalophobia. I think that's how you pronounce it, ithalophobia. And th- that might be that might be close. Anyways, ithalophobia is a morbid fear of seeing, thinking about, or having an erect penis.
0: I thought it was going to be something like that. Are you fucking kidding so you me? There's the a phobia erect about erect, penis. erect penises, dude. There's a phobia for everything. Mm-hmm. But like,
1: how? Who has this? Who um, has this phobia, Dykes? I don't. I don't that's know. Not is that correct. preachers maybe
0: right preachers. Politically correct.
1: I know that was rude, but I'm. It was. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking because theoretically, you know, if you're a lesbian, you don't like, you you like penis. I'm assuming. I don't know, but no. But seriously, this is um a very odd thing to have. I mean, what do you think percentage wise? of People have this like, <laughs>
0: like 0. No 0, 0, 0, <laughs> 1 out of three. Jeremy, looking at you. What? What? <laughs> it makes no sense. Did you hear I said that? What? No, uh, preachers, no- right? I mean, like that's the only people that I could really think, right? I mean, not really. sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just I. I, well, think I don't have that intriguing.
3: problem, so fuck you. It would probably so
0: be probably women, maybe like I mean, certain men, like weird like women, like yeah, you know what I, I mean, know, like because it says the fear guy of guy seeing, so maybe maybe that i don't know but why just like erect think, why but, wouldn't but it be like
1: all penises isn't that strange though like it includes thinking about it though too like that's mm-hmm. crazy like just you know seeing i can see or you know having. it has
0: to be overly religious people are the only people but it
1: says penis. or having an erect penis so it does apply to males too yeah, so there's
0: probably a small percentage
1: yeah it's just a really weird one i thought that was rather that's, funny
0: that's that's definitely strange
1: yeah, it is. But there is like a stacked.
0: phobia for everything, so it doesn't oh, yeah. surprise me.
1: And I do apologize for using the word dyke. I was just joking. Uh, I just thought it kind of applied.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, come on, you know what come on. We, we, we are obviously just fucking jokesters around here. Yeah, don't take. But this yeah, serious. when I when I first read that, I I
1: bursted out laughing. Like I was reading it, and there was people around me, and I, I bursted out laughing. I was like,
0: "Fuck,
4: what the
1: hell?" Makes sense though. There's a phobia for everything, right?
0: oh yeah. absolutely
1: so yeah all right so that is going to conclude mood swings and yeah moving on to the www portion of the show which is what we watch this week and uh yeah who wants to go first jeremy why don't you lead us off this week what did you watch this week
3: all right so i'm going to do two movies and then my a pick of a week this week instead of an ifc so Throw i guess back. the first
0: what I said throwback.
3: Yeah. First movie I'm gonna talk about this week is a film from nineteen thirty two. And it is a I think it's Danish, if I stand correct. And it's a film called Vampire from the year nineteen thirty two. So this movie, um uh so when this movie came out, it has an interesting um uh, production history. This movie was thought to be lost for a very, very, very long time until the 70s, where it was discovered and uh, I got cleaned up and um, people saw it. But the thing is about this movie, like um, the fan- like uh, Dracula Universal recorded a Spanish version as well as an English version, but those <laughs> movies, of course, were completely different, and a lot of people actually prefer the Spanish version over the American version. Now, with this movie, they actually um, filmed a German version, a French version and an English version. Uh all the same thing but they just dubbed the voices over for whatever country and the English and the German um versions are still lost and the French um version is what we still have today and that's what most people see. So this movie's, you know, came out in 1932 right about after you know Don Juan came out in 1926 that was the first movie with a soundtrack and then Jazz Singer came out in 27 which is you know the first movie with um synchronized sound so this movie came out you know 2 4 years after the creation of sound it's still an early film after 1931 you start to see you know sound really really pick up and become what we know today so 1932, you know, it's a year after sound, you know, become pretty, pretty a normal thing. So but the sound in this movie is still pretty, pretty, pretty poorly, to be completely honest. I know that, um, you know, it was lost and the print wasn't taken care of. But um, that's probably my biggest complaint about this movie. But the sound really isn't a big part of the film, to be completely honest. It's more about the atmosphere. This film is one of the best atmospheres, I think, um, in early horror history. That's for sure. Um, He just loves to build on shadows and camera movement and um, set pieces and just a whole bunch of other things. Um, aesthetic things to build a uh, a sense of mood that I think hasn't was not um, achieved at this time. So the film ends, is a pretty and um, story. We follow this guy Alan. Uh, he, we don't know why he's going to this place or anything like that. It's never explained, which you know I don't think we really think is important. But you know, like I said, it really doesn't achieve um, on this story wise. Like I said, so he goes to this room in this hotel, and um, this old man walks into his room and he says some stupid things, and he gives him this letter that says to be opened upon my death. So we go and we see him go to this huge castle. And um, inside the castle, he sees the guy who owns the castle get shot and murdered. And um, we start to figure out who is, you know, who murdered this guy. And we learned out it's a vampire who's this old lady. The vampire is an old lady, pretty much, and um, very very creepy um, vampire. And there's a really really uh, s- interesting scene where um, he's he's dead and he's out of his body and he's looking inside of his at his body inside of his coffin and how it's being treated um, before he gets buried and things like that. And the look on his face is, is it's one of the creepiest things I've seen. I had to be completely honest. Um, If you guys have a chance to look online, at some of the images, that's probably the main one you're going to see the main character's face looking um, into um, at himself. And he just has a a really expressionless face. Um, So, this movie's okay to be completely honest. Like I said, it has a really, really fantastic, um fantastic um aesthetics to it. Story, don't watch it for that because you're not gonna get very much out of it. But if you want an early sound horror film to watch, you know, I'd definitely give this one a chance. Um yeah, so seven out of ten on Vampire. Yeah, th- this one
1: <clears throat> this uh Vampires definitely uh suffers from you know, plot. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things that, yeah, yeah, that you're just what? Why is he? What, what, why is this going on? Kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it you know, the movie's really short though too. Isn't yeah, it's it It's 70 only about minutes. 70, 70 minutes long, so yeah. there's not really a lot of time to develop a lot of that stuff. But you are right about the aesthetics in the film, like the set pieces and the shadows and it really does have like amazing atmosphere to that film.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's it. Honestly, it's more of a visual thing than anything. That's what you're going to watch the movie for.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, I do agree. The sound is whatever (laughs) it is, what it is. But at the same time, like you said, it's an early sound film. So that's kind of expected. So you can't really, you can't get really down it, you know, that much. So, but no, if you're into something visual and, um, really kind of odd vampire type story, I guess, I don't know really how to explain it, but, uh, I enjoy it, man. I think it's a fun film.
3: Yeah, it's a good it's movie. A quick,
1: it's a really quick watch, though. Mm-hmm. It just goes by super quick. So yeah. Is that a
0: criterion? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll go next. Uh, the film that I'm going to be talking about is actually courtesy of Brandon, who sent me, and Moods, and Jeremy, uh, three films each, which is an extremely nice gesture. Uh, that The first one is The Ninth Configuration from the year 1980. Uh, this film is set in a post-Vietnam era where a lot of the sh- soldiers who were in Vietnam and you know in the military at the time are crazed and they are sent to a asylum that is an abandoned castle up on a hill. Uh, then they send in a new sort of psychiatrist to come in and find out if these uh, people, these um patients are faking it or if they are actually crazed and then if they are try to rehabilitate them. Uh this film has Joe Spinell in it in a small part, uh Stacy Ke- Stacy Keach in uh the large part and of course um Tommy motherfucking Atkins is up in his bitch as well. Yeah. But Just uh now. he has he has a small part as well. Um, man, this one is really hard to put into words.
3: Yeah. It's a very Uh, confusing, confusing film. I think in my opinion,
0: yeah, it, it is a little confusing. I do feel like I got the overall structure. There's definitely some things there that I'm not, uh, familiar with. Um, like the ninth configuration. I do know a little bit of what that means, but I don't know enough information to kind of just know exactly what, what that title was meant for and things like that. Uh, one of the interesting things about this film is that there's times where you're kind of just lost and you're like you're not sure like what the hell's going on, but then you realize like that is what is supposed to be happening like yeah. it's just nonsense is what's going on it's mm-hmm. it's just crazed lunatic talk, um which is very fun because it's it's a large portion of the film is just a hodgepodge podge well, blended yeah, up
1: letting, language yeah like letting these characters play out their fantasies and stuff like that right yeah.
0: yeah you know
1: that's really what it is it's just a bunch of characters doing what they do is be crazy well apparently yeah. unfortunately i haven't actually finished the film yet yeah, so yeah, i'm too. not actually sure how it ends but i i got most of the way through it but i, I kind of get what kind of what's going on here yeah
0: so they start they initially we just see that they are Um, crazy and then they start indulging in their um, whatever thing that they're doing while they're crazy like for example one of the characters is trying to do shakespearean plays with dogs with Um, the dogs
1: (laughs) (laughs) the dog was killing me man When, when
0: when he got he brought me a chow
1: yeah. It just looks like a huge mop. I was yeah. laughing every time I saw it. I didn't know like, if
0: that was what? real or makeup like oh, attachments really or what. Like what the hell kind of thing is that? I would never I don't even know if it
1: like is that. if that's real hair or not. I'm it's not even like, 100% sure. It's like
0: dreadlocks on a dog.
4: Yeah.
0: But it's like <laughs> it, how does that dog see though? Like the, the it, face is completely covered. <laughs> it's so funny. Man. It's hilarious. <laughs> um but I like Joseph Benell's parts because he was just like the assistant. It, it was it was really funny. But I mean, a very interesting film uh, that is definitely very well done. You can see there's a lot of effort put into it. Uh, I didn't, you know, it didn't like blow my mind, basically. No, me neither. Uh, It it was very uh, high level crafting going on in the film. Uh, And it was decent. I, I, I. don't really have many complaints it's actually not really a horror film at all it is listed as comedy drama horror definitely has comedy in there this dark sort of almost tragic comedy comedy it's like this tragic comedy though which i thought was like a weird blend of things um the drama is uh there and the horror is very lacking but overall solid solid movie definitely very good i give it about an eight out of ten
3: that's what i gave it to yeah yeah yep
0: All right. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I can't give a rating because I haven't finished it yet, but I think I got about i think i have roughly a half an hour left in it no,
3: it's um like two hours. i
1: just I, I just like i said this week it was so tough and i was watching it like it i started at like two thirty in the morning and i'm surprised i even got that far into it mm. but from well, I what i see, say though, the thing that i was that i was loving about this movie though was the structure was so odd and it was quirky mm. with really really funny moments but you know what was really selling this movie for me the was the fucking acting man oh the acting, the acting okay. with awesome man yeah. i loved it I, I always forget his name i know he's passed away now but the guy that played the priest in the exorcist
3: mm-hmm.
1: um he's you know he's
3: and the fuck, exorcist man. three
1: yeah and the exorcist and fucking so good man he, like his dialogue was amazing the just the way he was oh yeah, I was, he was it was keeping me intrigued, man it was just he was very very entertaining Do
3: you think as a he, was he was insane i don't he wasn't insane i don't think so Should uh which guy the guy who was put on the play with the dogs.
0: Yeah,
1: the, the like he was doing the Shakespeare plays with the dogs and shit.
3: Oh yeah. You asking think me if he was so. crazy? Yeah, do you think he was crazy? Uh yeah. I don't think so. Mm. I, think well, putting, I, now, I think he was putting I think he was putting it on. Now I have to And that's the thing like
1: that the thing I liked about the film because it keeps you kind of thinking Because going, the,
3: him and the astronaut now we're talking in the tree. And he didn't seem too insane when they were talking in the tree.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. It uh, they touched on that in the film though, too, didn't they? Even state like they even talked about that, didn't they? What? At one point about that scene. Oh. Where they, where they were talking, like yeah, he doesn't really seem that crazy. Like Stacey Keach's character's there to kind of analyze, I guess, mm-hmm. what's going on, but he's
0: kind of letting them do their own thing. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's an it's, it, an it, it's about structure. levels as well. Like there's crazy and not crazy. I'm not sure. Like it, it's kind of a up for interpretation i guess i don't know brandon brandon (laughs) okay yeah i'm I'm gonna have to i'm
1: gonna have to finish this one and kind of get back to you guys on this so i'm assuming some things kind of wrap up and especially with there's a very
3: there's a very uncomfortable scene at the end of the film so yeah okay
1: yeah okay well anyways yeah i'll eventually get to that but i was liking what i was seeing so far it was like i said the acting was fucking blowing my mind it was really great so I just wish Joe Spinell was in it more. Yeah. You know, he's here and there. He's kind of like, he pops up in scenes all over the place. And I'm like, uh, Joe, where are you? But yeah, very Love cool. Love you, Joe. Cool to see Tom Atkins in that film, though.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know until. Yeah, he, was he's very minor. And I, it took me a couple seconds to even realize. like, Because I was looking for him the whole time because I knew he was there. And then I was like, oh, oh, there he is. There he is. I wasn't really, didn't notice him. Speaking of, oh, there he is. There he is. There you are. <laughs>
1: But yeah, um, you guys give it eights?
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, okay. well, definitely
1: an eight. I'll, I'll, Yeah, I'll definitely get back to you guys on that one with my full thoughts on that once I finish it. So can't really say a whole lot right now. Um, All right. So the first film I'm going to talk about today is one from 2012. I believe it got released DVD, maybe 2013. I'm not sure. Um, from Dire Wits Films, they also did uh, or put out put out um mutantis, of course jp's favorite film in the world yeah we did talk about that uh, this film is absolutely nothing like Mutantis at all uh and it's called uh seventh day now basically this movie is about kind of like the day in the life of um this really odd character named alan uh he's a well he's just a fucking weird guy he's kind of like a pervert he kills people um but uh it's got a really interesting narrative to this film it's um it's almost psychological in a way too. So basically, it kind of follows like it, like I said, the structure is done day by day, and uh, it follows this guy named Alan, and that's what he does. He he basically hunts women, and he kills for absolutely no reason. Like he just kills people because he really doesn't care for people that much <laughs> and stuff, you know. And he, but there's an actual narrative to this. Like he's literally talking to almost he's almost breaking that fourth wall, you know, kind of thing. Like he's kind of talking to the camera a little bit and stuff, but there's like this narrative that's going on and he's explaining what his reasons are for killing people and stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, an addiction to him and, you know, it just makes him feel better. And, but the interesting thing about Alan's character is that he seems like he's, you know, almost very smart and he's almost likable at times too. Uh, So which makes it a very interesting kind of story. So, so you follow Alan and it's day by day and he calls his victims selections, which I thought was such an intriguing word to use. And it literally shows him he'll like wait in the park and wait for women to to run by and then he'll just stab and kill them and then just go on with his day. And it's kind of like this throughout the whole film. Um, Like I said, with this voiceover narrative, like quite literally. And um, but, you know, the thing about him is that he's kind of like a uh, he wants to love somebody. You know he actually does want to get involved with somebody, and he works as a dishwasher in this restaurant. And he he falls for this girl named Denise, I believe her name is. And you know he's got a he's got a thing for her. But you know everybody around him kind of teases Alan and stuff, and they they know that he's just hopeless and he's almost crazy, does weird things and stuff. But so you, the whole film is just following this character. It's just a huge character study, but it's almost psychological at the same time. It's like this character is it inside his mind? Is this stuff really kind of happening and stuff? And. I have to say this movie was fantastic. It really was executed great um, it doesn 't run very long either, which is interesting, so it gets right into it like right from the opening scene in the film it 's just like bam and it doesn 't slow down. it keeps the exact you know perfect pacing throughout the whole film uh really interesting it 's got some good gore, like I said, but not a lot of characters you know it 's just him and you know some people that he starts killing off one by one there's this hilarious scene with this drug dealer I actually started laughing out pretty hard in this one scene I won't give it away if you haven't seen Seventh Day but uh, I don't know man I highly recommend this movie it was great on all levels about 75 minutes of pure entertainment uh, cool story but I, the thing that intrigued me the most was the usage of the word um, you know selections I, that just seems so psychotic to me you know and just so uh-huh. Universal. It was weird to use that word. It's just like this guy is actually a bonafide, badass, you know, serial killer. Like he's completely doesn't give a shit about people, and, he, and it, they really showcase it too. Like you know when he he stabs this girl in the park, and ah, uh, and then he and then he talks about like even he's like I don't really you know like to rape them you know a lot when they're alive, and sometimes I do I'll do it when they're when they're dead, and so there's like a little bit of necrophilia going on there, but there's like there's this kind of a wave of emotions in this film too. You kind of feel sorry for him at times too, but you can't really because he's killing people and uh, it's a fucking fantastic film. Really, really fantastic. I can't recommend it enough, but that's pretty much all I'll say about it. Cause it's a short film, I don't want to give anything else away about it, but, um, I definitely highly recommend this one. I give it about, uh, about a nine out of 10. So,
3: all right. So like I said, last a little bit earlier, I'm not going to be doing a IFC film this week. I'm just going to do a pick of the week. Like I said earlier, when we were talking about uh, directors that we wanted to explore a little bit more, I mentioned Todd Browning, who, of course, is the legendary director who directed Freaks. Well, everyone remembers him for Freaks and, of course, Dracula. But um, he's actually has quite a bit of films earlier on that he's directed that are extremely, extremely awesome and underrated, especially a lot starring uh Lon Chaney uh starting 1927 with the film I'm going to talk about which is called The Unknown and then he had um you know the next the same year he had the famous lost film London after Midnight still starring Lon Chaney which is probably the most sought after lost film um out there right now that everyone's trying to find and of course that came out in the same year in 1927 and then he had a film called The Big City, came out in 1928, also lost, which um, it got lost with the London After Midnight, um, MGM Fall Fire in 1962. And then you had uh, another film called uh, West of Santa Bar, which is another circus film that I checked out. So you'll be talking about the, un, the film called, titled The Unknown from the year 1927, probably the best um, out of the five films that uh, – todd browning did with lon cheney um for sure so this film of course like i mentioned earlier takes place in a circus and we follow lon cheney's character who is known as Sanzo the armless and he is known to have no arms and he his specialty is throwing knives at um his partner who's played by uh joan crawford an early, early, early young, young, young Joan Crawford in one of her first roles, I think. So as the film goes on, we start to learn that this guy, you know, Elsonzo, is actually a fraud. And he actually does have arms, but he just fakes it and he hides his arms behind his back. and um, And that's what he thinks is going to get him into – um, sleeping with John, Joan Crawford's character because Joan Crawford has this phobia of men with strong arms. We never really figured out why or what happens why she has this fear of you know guys who are strong. But um, you know with um, Lon Chaney's character not having any arms, she feels safe with him until one night where um, one of the the main ring leader finds out that um, Lon Chaney actually has arms. And Lon Chaney murders him and uh Joan Crawford's character sees this, but um there's lightning and rain, so she can't see his face, but she notices that he has um two thumbs on his right hand, and um, you know, now she's trying to figure out who this person is and um you know, trying to find this guy who killed who we learn out is her father. So as the film goes on, we see Joan Crawford lose this phobia you know, having strong arms and she starts going out with um uh, a strongman, and of course, Lon Chaney's character gets extremely jealous and plots to kill him. And um, the way that he's going to do this is the strongman has this act that he has two horses running on treadmills on either side of his arms, pulling his arms, and he's supposed to have enough strength that the horses won't rip off his arms. Well, of course, Lon Chaney gets into this, and um, he rigs the treadmills for the horses to actually be able to run off the treadmills, and the guy's arms get ripped off, and um, that's pretty much the end of the film. Um, There's not really too much going on, but um, Lon Chaney ultimately dies somehow with these horses. I'm not going to explain it, but pretty much he dies, and um, that's it. Lon Chaney's performance in this movie is fucking fantastic, man. He is so, 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 so good. Uh, Like I said, this is a late, late sound film. Um, All of his films that um, Browning and Chaney did were silent. so uh, This is really, 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 really good. Um, I I recommend you guys check this one out. Like I said, Browning definitely um, liked his circus movies. Um, If I stand corrected, uh, he grew up in the circus in some way or the other so he's he's highly influenced with that kind of um theme and we see him direct you know a few films before freaks which of course is you know his most legendary film but west of the santa bar which i talked about a little bit ago also takes place in a circus and i watched that one too while it's not as good it's still enjoyable and still interesting and things like that but the unknown. um you know, right behind Freaks, in my opinion. And I think it's a little bit, you know, it's free I mean, Dracula, I'm throwing out Dracula, you know. I don't, Dracula is Dracula. I'm not really going to throw that film into the mix when I'm talking about Browning. But besides Freaks, um, you know, this is probably his next best film. And uh, it's worth it just for Lon Chaney's performance by itself. Now, you could get it in the TCM Turner Classic Movies Lon Chaney's box set that they came out a few years ago. Um, check it out. It's really, really, really solid. Um, eight and a half out of ten.
0: Nice. Cool. Uh, Moods, can you go next?
3: <clears throat> yeah, no problem. Uh,
1: yeah, so next up here is uh, a film from 1972, which is, of course, my Italian Stallion of the Week. Uh, this is one that's been like heavily bootlegged over the years and stuff, and it finally got a DVD release a few years back from um, Dark Sky Films. And one that I've always been curious about seeing, finally got a chance to see it. And it's called Tragic Ceremony. Uh, this one's actually starring Camille Keaton in, in uh, an Italian role, which, of course, uh, this movie is actually in Italian. So, of course, her dialogue is dubbed over in Italian. So it's, it's kind of weird to see, but uh, um, basically has a really uh, simple premise to it. It's about four. They, they call them hippies in this film. Uh, I wouldn't really say they're hippies, especially since the, um, the main guy, um, that's driving this like pretty awesome kind of dune buggy thing that they're, they're traveling in comes from a pretty wealthy family, but anyways, they're, they're referred to as hippies or whatever. So, um, they're coming back from the day at the beach and of course they run out of gas. They, uh, they kind of make it to this gas station and, um, you know, it's just the weather's shit, man. It's pissing fucking balls on them and stuff. And now they try to fill up their vehicle, but they don't have any cash on them. All they have is, like, credit and stuff. Of course, the gas station attendants like, fuck that. You're not getting any gas. I don't take credit, checks, whatever the fuck it is. And he wants really no part of that. And he's being a real jerk to them and stuff. So then he finally decides he's going to give him a little bit of gas but he's got an agenda here he basically says you know i'll give you enough gas so you can get home and you know you can get out of here but he gives him enough gas so basically they'll make it up the road and they'll run out of gas in front of this like this kind of abandoned villa type deal anyways that's exactly what happens they run out of gas weather's really shitty uh in front they run out of gas in front of this villa or whatever weather's really shitty so they go inside into this villa and uh basically what they think is Abandoned. They go in there. They get invited in by these uh, this couple, um, Alexander, uh, Alexander and his wife, or whatnot. And uh, so they kind of set up shop in there. Uh, What they don't know is that these people are actually planning like some kind of satanic ritual and sacrifice. And it's all set up. You know, it's all set up. The guy at the gas station was, you know, part of this stuff. Um, But they need to sacrifice a female to to go through with their plans and stuff. Anyways, it doesn't go according to plan. Um, Anyways, the four of them. They get into this crazy violent standoff with them. And uh, what happens is the the female, the Alexander's wife, ends up getting killed by them. So the four of them flee this uh, this horrific scene where just mass violence just happens and stuff. Of course, the police get involved. And the police automatically assume that these four are responsible for this massacre that happened in this house because all these people died. And they're kind of being compared to the Manson murders in a way, you know, because the cops are labeling these people as hippies. And this is like shortly after, you know, the Manson murders and stuff like that. So they're kind of calling them hippies and, you know, Manson kind of doing, you know, that type of thing and stuff. Um, So anyways, there's this police investigation and uh, a bunch of crazy shit starts happening, you know, with them trying to get away from these people and whatnot. Um, I can't really say what it's what's really going on. and want to give anything away. But anyways, that's kind of the premise of your film. Um, now this one right here is a really interesting film. It's got like really fantastic gore, but it's very kind of gothic feeling. And there's a lot of scenes even in like the light and stuff that feel very gothic and stuff. Very, very awesome film. Really interesting stuff because it kind of got me thinking, I'm like, what the fuck is really going on here? This police investigation What, like, what the hell's going on here? And, uh, of course, everything is wrapped up at the end. You figure out what's going on, of course. <laughs> and actually, in the end of the movie, there's, this police officer actually gives you the whole roundup of exactly what's going on. He kind of like recaps everything for <laughs> you. It's actually a really funny scene. But overall, really fun flick, man. Really great Italian film uh, that, that I think is really highly overlooked. I don't think a lot of people even know about this one. This guy also directed uh, *Murder Obsession* from 1981, which was his last film. The director is uh, uh, Ricardo F- uh, Ferda. Uh, he did also *I Vampiri* uh, from the 60s too, which is known as a you know very gothic classic type film too. But you can see those elements in this one also. Uh, very kind of unique type film with a really awesome kind of twist ending to it. I really enjoyed it. It's a fun flick, man. If you like these, um, you know these kind of gothic type uh, what the hell's going on kind of story to it. I highly recommend tragic, tragic ceremony. Now this one right here, I remember, uh, actually Tom talking about this on his Italian month and it's kind of got my memory going again. And I was like, Oh yeah, I really want to see this one. Definitely an underrated gem. Awesome flick. Uh, give it about an eight and a half out of 10. I don't want to give too much about it be, or away from it because it kind of ruins. I, I, I've even like kind of briefly read through some reviews on IMDb. Don't read the reviews because some of them are like so spoiler. Like they do not even say spoiler, but they're given spoilers in there. Don't read anything. Don't read anything. The synopsis on the back of the DVD is very, very um, kind of to the point. So check out tragic ceremony. Awesome flick released by dark sky films, eight and a half out of 10
0: cool cool uh that's one that i don't think i've heard of but uh dark sky will be talking about another one of their releases later Uh, but for now i'm going to do my segment this week it's going to be a closer look at this is where we take a look at a edition of something we're going to do another scream factory one Uh, but first the film the howling from 1981 we follow a news reporter played by uh d wallace who is kind of investigating a serial killer, and she has a near-fatal encounter with said serial killer. Uh, She's kind of uh, all messed up over it, so she decides to go out to a remote uh, mountain resort um, where there is a bunch of residents who are kind of a little strange, and they turn out to be a coven of werewolves. Uh, So when I first seen The Howling, I really wasn't that big of a fan of it. I have said that before on the podcast i was like i didn't really care for it too much this time watching it i definitely loved it pretty much this film actually came out on april 10th which was my birthday but it was came out 10 years before i was born i found that kind of interesting uh directed by joe dante uh there's just something about the mood of this film that i must have just missed the first time watching it because it has this like dark creepy foggy uh very well lit areas um the werewolf scenes actually are very effective there's a lot of great creature effects and practical effects in this film uh, i will say that um I, I i didn't love a lot of the characters and i think moods actually does like a lot of the characters besides maybe d wallace and um the poor man's tom atkins uh <laughs> lead male character uh i didn't really Really like too many people besides Dick Miller, because Dick Miller, of, of course, is just very awesome. I love that section of the film where he kind of runs this occult type shop, uh, sold some people some silver bullets later on in the film. But I mean, I, like, I just wanted more of that, like kind of the mythos of the werewolves and and things like that. But overall, man, just just a great werewolf film that I was completely stupid for not appreciating the first time I watched it. I give The Howling about an eight out of ten. Now on to what's on the disc. Of course, this is released by Scream Factory. Uh, the first thing is an interview runs about 18 minutes long with the producer, the executive producer, Stephen Lane. Now, this was a really cool segment because he literally just goes and talks about each of the Howling films. It's like a mini and by mini, I mean very mini uh, documentary on all of the Howling films. It's kind of like the Crystal Lake Memories or the even the Elm Street shitty ones? Legacies. Yes, all of them. Um, he, it's kind of like one of those condensed into about 18 minutes. So it really kind of made me interested to see if they would do like a fleshed out hour and a half long version of that. He starts with Howling 1, talks a little bit about it, talks about the sequel and their idea behind Howling 2, goes into Howling 3, the marsupials, which is like the weird Australian one where he's like kind of weird about it. And then, you know, all the way up to... yeah I believe so it, wow. he produced all of them, and he you know he said that they kept you know doing well on on video and stuff like that um even gets up to howling reborn because i believe it was just going um i i can't I can't remember because some of these features are taken from the MGM original release, uh, special edition. But I do think this was a new produced uh, Scream Factory special feature. Um, but that was a really cool interview. Uh, then there was a interview with the editor. Uh, that one was okay. An interview with the co-writer, also decent. Uh, then you have the Horrors Hollowed Grounds uh, which is revisiting the filming locations of that hosted by Sean Clark. One of my favorite special features. It is so awesome to see these locations in present day, especially the howling locations cuz a lot of it is out in the woods, a lot of, like in a resort in these weird locations. That some of the houses are still up and and standing. That that was just so cool seeing that stuff and Sean Clark is just a funny awesome host. Uh, I would love to see more of those on the Scream Factory discs. Um, and then, of course, we have making the a monster movie Inside the Howling. That's a little decent vintage feature I believe that was on the MGM release. Nothing too great on that one. An interview with the stop-motion animator runs about eight minutes because there was actually a lot of stop-motion footage that they never ended up using in the film. I believe they only used one shot in the entire film and they created so much stop-motion footage. So the guy kind of talks about all of his process and overall, like what it was like to not have any of it really used in the film, all his hard work and stuff. That was a very interesting thing because there was tons of footage that they did in stop motion. Um, so after that, unleashing the beast, the making the howling, forty-eight minute long documentary. Man, that that's a great documentary. Follows the mythology of the film, the werewolf mythology, all the good stuff that you expect in a documentary. D. Wallace something about her man watching it i almost feel like she's a little crazy like real life crazy um the way that she comes off when she talks just i don't know it just feels like she might be a little little out there not in a negative way or anything like that but i don't know just just something that i picked up i could be wrong uh, of course then you have deleted scenes um with optional commentary outtakes the actual trailer photo gallery and then you have two fucking feature length commentaries one with joe dante d wallace christopher stone robert picardo solid solid both of them are solid and the other one was with the author of the book which was even more interesting i thought because you got to kind of learn the differences between the book and the uh you know film and that one was moderated by i believe uh michael uh Felsher who is like one of the main guys behind Scream Factory so that that was a pretty cool thing one of the most stacked Scream Factory releases highly recommend The Howling it's definitely out of the first you know 15 16 releases definitely up there with the best
1: yeah I gotta dip into those special features a little more
0: doesn't that sound stacked
1: dude (laughs) yeah it does I would love to see a full like a couple hour you know documentary on the whole uh, howling series because yeah it 's such a weird I'm sure there's a lot of interesting things to so do to it tell about that so
3: you got you got a mind,
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it doesn 't have like, the it,
3: rights it, to the howling
1: <laughs> it 's just such a big franchise, you know there 's probably lots of really interesting things i bet you I bet you the documentary would be more interesting than some of the films themselves yeah. and so.
0: I, I I almost feel that way about a lot of films, like supernova we bring up all the time. Uh, sometimes the stories about a film can be more interesting than the actual films.
3: Yeah.
4: Mhm.
0: Mhm. Q. Like all the
3: Hellraiser movies?
0: Exactly. I would love to see a full-length franchise documentary on the Hellraiser films. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, it would be pretty fucking sweet. Alrighty, so that is going to conclude the what we watch portion of the show and yeah, what we all been waiting for. Is that what it is? Yeah. (laughs) The feature feature review for episode 49 is a film from 2011. Is it it
0: 2011? 2011. Yeah. 2011
1: 2011, uh, from the director, of course, of uh, Rec one and two. I can't really pronounce his name too well. You guys want to attempt that?
0: JP you're Mexican. <laughs> <Wame vulgario. laughs> Come on, you
3: don't even know how to say your own kind. No,
0: not at all. Oh man, that, that guy's Spanish, name is so dude. that guy's really? so
1: hard. His name is so hard to pronounce. But anyways, the I guy that Jurassic wreck wanted to and, well. and yeah, from two thousand eleven, Sleep Tight.
0: Of course yeah. from Spain.
1: Spain. Spanish film, yes. So you have to read this one.
0: So first and <laughs> foremost, thank you, Brandon, for hooking us up with this film. We decided to make it our feature review this week. Very, yeah. very generous of you to send us all three, you know, films, Great DVDs, films. Blu-rays. Awesome, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, Brandon, that was very, very awesome of you to uh, to do that. Just
0: very out of the
1: kindness nice. of your heart, that's just amazing. So, But yeah.
0: Somebody want to hit the plot, not it. All right, sleep tight from
1: 2014. I'm just going to quickly read off the INDB uh, description of it.
3: 2011,
1: not 2014. 2011. Fuck. I don't know why I always say 2014. Ugh. I mean, anyways. Uh, Storyline. Apartment concierge Caesar is a miserable person who believes he was born without the ability to be happy. Now, doesn't that happen to a lot of us, really?
0: Yeah, it sounds like something I know.
1: <laughs> exactly right. As a result, he decides his mission is to make life hell for everyone around him. <laughs> A majority of the tenants are easy to agitate, but Clara proves to be harder than the most. So Caesar goes to creepy extremes to make his young woman mentally break down. Things get even more complicated in this twisted relationship when her boyfriend Marcos shows up. And that's essentially what it is, yeah.
3: Very so. original movie.
1: Um yeah. Very so. original thoughts on this one
3: original original it's it's interesting it's a you basically have two three four five six seven characters in the entire movie mm-hmm. and you know m- most of those four or three, four or three of those are, aren't are really important you know, the old lady the and the two cleaning people but clara and um Caesar even the boyfriend isn't really important and the little girl. So three, you know, characters that you're pretty much following it was this entire 102 minute film. And you're mostly spend most of your time with Caesar. And, uh, you really, really learn this character and his relationship with his mother and, um, past experiences and how he got to, to this place. And he's a very troubled person. And it, really really well done writing and um you know you learn how this character acts and you think that you know what what's he going to do to talk himself out of a certain situation and things like that. It's a very manipulative person.
0: Yeah, he's like one step ahead of everybody and I love the concept of I'm so unhappy, and the only thing that gives me a shred of happiness is seeing other people not happy.
1: I, yeah. I know I love that story. I love that approach to a film right there. There's no other reason why he's doing this to these people besides the simple fact that he, he does, just feels he yeah. feels that they need to be miserable just like him. You know, it's really is fucking demented like and that twisted in the world. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I thought that was a great you know set piece plot point. Uh, you know, at first you don't really know what's going on, and there's kind of just one reveal One you part. where you realize like what he's doing it's early yeah. in the film but i still thought it was a great reveal
4: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's an interesting structure too because it kind of follows day by day you know yeah, and it
0: really doesn't like
3: the ending it really doesn't have a complete ending it just kind of
0: ends and i loved the ending yeah that me too mm-hmm. right there. yeah it's twisted man yeah it's yeah fucked up the ending the is real... like the punch man it's yeah, just like man. it like to me it was a, it was a really good film and that ending kind of took it above and beyond that really good mark at that high water mark and, and moved it up a bit yeah
3: it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a squirmy ending that's for sure the whole film is it's it's a demented film man
1: I like I like that his character is fantastic because, like you said, you know you know what he's up to. He's demented. He's kind of sick in the head a little bit, but you know you kind of almost in a way can relate to him. You know, sometimes when you're miserable, you just want other people to yeah to be at the same waist. So you can kind of relate to him a little bit, but or he is really you don't actually very be, intelligent. You, you know, sometimes he's a very you intelligent get annoyed
0: character. when everybody around you is happy and you're not. Yeah,
1: you know? and that's yeah, that's he's,
0: what he's doing, but to a, a greater level.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of sympathize with him a little bit, right? So, but yeah. he's, well, that th- th- brings th- up, up a good
0: character. point because we're following him the entire story. We're seeing it from his point of view. Yeah. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you almost need to find a way to relate to your lead character, even if he is a terrible person. You mm-hmm. start trying to find these connections and, and these bonds with him or else the movie sometimes doesn't work if you can't find some relatability.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you know what's interesting too like when you first get introduced to the character i i felt like he had been working there for like a long time and then you find out that he's only been there a short period of time like it just yeah. it, it seemed like he had this relationship with the people
0: because he's very manipulative so. and he's well, very just, good at creating but he was all- relationships
1: but he was very likable to everybody yeah. like everyone really liked him and it just seemed like he'd been there for years and years and he was like you know the, the doorman or the concierge whatever you want to call yeah. him um, and it just seemed like he had this ongoing, long-term relationship with all these tenants, but in in reality, he'd only been there for a short period of time, which really adds to his manipulative, man, manipulative, um, you know, personality and stuff, right? I thought that was actually quite interesting because you learn, and then you know, he does actually kind of lack in his job a little bit, but he's so good with people, though.
0: There, yeah. There's a scene late in the film with uh, Miss Veronica, the woman, the older woman with the dogs. God. Fucking brutal. And yeah, I I feel like that was like (laughs) the highlight of. Because you see what he's doing throughout the film, but that was the icing on the cake where there was no fucking truth. It was just completely unnecessary to do to somebody. (laughs) I know. It was was like, wow, dude. Wow, man. No heart at all.
4: No. Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. That was a great scene. There's a lot of very good scenes in this film that are. I mean I don't know how to really say it but you're just kind of on edge there's first of all there's a lot of suspense um there's also a lot of uh moments where you just feel like you just like that moment you know the moment for example when the boyfriend and the girlfriend are sleeping in the bed yeah. and oh, he yeah. he appears like and you know what do you, what you find out and uh, man like I'm just it's the guy is a scumbag man <laughs>
1: yeah dude what he's doing to clara throughout the film is just
3: i don't even know what he's doing
0: well he starts out easy like he starts out basic by he wants to see her he's trying to figure he's
1: trying to figure her out like what she you know like he remember he's having a conversation with her and he's like she's mentioned something about how she hates bugs and then he's then he takes those drastic measures to fuck with her with the bugs and stuff what
0: happens is he starts out with he just very calculated girl that is not easily affected by the type of things that he does to make people miserable so he he figures okay so she must care about her beauty a lot so he starts putting stuff in her makeup that makes her skin become irritated and break out in a rash and it's bugging her but it's not destroying her world and that kind of annoys him a bit so he takes it a little further (laughs) a little bit and a little further and it's not all about that i mean obviously he's he's definitely very selfish but what what is revealed later in the film, kind of one of the big, uh, you know, exclamation points. He also is just a very self like he he can't he really is enjoys um, what he's doing, and it's not just to like kind of uh, make people miserable, but it's even it's more sadistic. Well,
1: no, because it, it's because it showcases patience. That's why it's so damn sadistic, man. He, it's it's all calculated step by step, and he's just willing to take the time, like literally waiting underneath her bed, yeah, until she comes home, and then he's listening to her on the phone, and he's he's finding out things that way, and everything's so damn calculated and cold.
3: It it shows you how good acting can make your film. Yeah, yeah, and, and you always it. hear me say, I always bitch about good acting. But, but i'd love shows you how it can make a film
1: i love one of the first scenes in the film there you know when you, you you this is when i thought that he'd been around at the hotel for a long period of time is you know people are coming back and forth and he's like hey blah 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 hey yeah. Carl, you know and then the little girl stops at the desk and she's already she already knows that there's something up with this guy like she's yeah. blackmailing the shit out of him which yeah, that you don't was an actually
0: spin um, especially yeah. when he gives her the was like, it just, just
1: kind like, of wow. got into it it just kind of got into it like they never actually showed you know what she knew but yeah. you knew that she was blackmailing him for something and you learn right away it's like wow this guy okay whatever but that little girl man <laughs> what yeah. the fuck dude when she asked like he's like okay well what do you want because she caught him again doing something that he wasn't supposed to and she's smart she's blackmailing him getting money out of him and Poor stuff and, it, and then she's like He's like, well, what do you want? She's like, can you get me a porno tape? And I fucking, I bursted out laughing, dude. I was, I was laughing so hard. I'm See, like, I almost
0: got the vibe that when she said, kid. listen, but the thing is, I, I think that when she, cause she said, I want an adult video. And then when she got it, she looked really surprised. So I'm not even sure if that's what she meant. And then he just assumed. So, um, it kind of made it even more weird. You know mm-hmm. what I mean?
1: No, I just thought that he gave her something really odd like a gay porno or something like that and just kind of shocked her to see that image on there. But when she said adult film or whatever, I, I just assumed that's what she wanted. But I just thought it was an odd request for like 11 or 12-year-old little yeah, girl. Yeah, and
0: that's that. why I think that she might have just met like an R-rated movie, like yeah. adult, an adult.
1: That's funny because I never took it like that at all. I just like, wow, this little girl is – I mean she's obviously smart enough. Oh, not mind. to say anything, and she knows how to how to you know Work you know benefit this yeah. for herself. So she's getting money. She knows what to do. So I just assume that she really did mean porno because this is the only way that she could get it, and she knows that she could because she was simply blackmailing
0: him.
3: Man, when she walked she out of smart. the building, she walked out of the building. She flipped him the bird. Oh man, that made me piss my pants. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. laughing so hard. The,
0: there's oh, one boy. scene that is like really well done it's it's he kind of slips up a bit and uh he gets stuck in a situation where he's trying to escape the room that he's in and that was done so well shot so well uh the tension man it was just a great great scene not very not
3: too much editing
0: yeah very, it's very, very long, long take, yeah a long long long, takes,
3: long take and like it all oh, it was really well done it's, it's like
1: that's something i noticed too man really long takes yeah because like, well a cut, good acting
0: a cut will you know it, it reminds it's jarring. you jarring right yeah so it reminds you and it kind of breaks it cuts the suspense a little bit yeah. um so yeah i mean psh, great scene Uh, there's just so many individual scenes that you could pick out of this film and you'd be like this is good filmmaking this is good filmmaking this is good filmmaking and you can explain why too and that's what I love so much about uh, you know films that are that are so well designed like this one.
3: Mm-hmm. I would I would expect it though because you you haven't seen you have to watch the movies, Jamie. I know, I know. They're, I want to do a very, show on them one day. They're, f- they're very very similar, and that's why I talk so highly of them all the time. And this guy, this guy definitely knows what he's doing when it comes to making movies, good movies. Oh yeah, and original yeah. movies,
1: and, and he knows smart how to. Movies. He knows how to have a good ending too.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, like from from start to finish, every aspect from you know camera work to the script. To the acting, to uh, any any aspect of filmmaking that you could think of, it's it's all top notch. There's really not one like hole or area that I feel like was a little, you know, a bit of a letdown or anything. It, everything was good.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, man. It's just such a simple idea, but very it's executed. Simple. It's executed so perfectly, and you know, coming back to the acting, I thought. It's just, outstanding like he really does steal the show though man like just the way he delivers and you know his answers but it's the look in his face man he it just it's so real you know he just seems like such a real character and so fucking demented at the yeah, same there's time. not I, much
3: to it but just it's it's executed well if it was executed badly this movie could go to complete another shit mm-hmm. but it's just executed in a certain way and in a believable way that it it just works it Mm -hmm. really 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 works
1: yeah and like you know JP you said there's a lot of individual scenes in this film that are fantastic and you know it's too bad that we can't really just spoil the shit out of this and just talk about them all but it really is it is kind of like that though it's just scene by scene you know but yeah. I found the pacing in this film to be fantastic too. There's really no downtime and like, you're just very intrigued on like what is going to happen next.
3: Yeah, it flew. Hour and 40 yeah. minutes. Just, yeah, it, it, it just
1: – it just every scene you're just like, OK, OK. Yeah. But man – There, there wasn't
0: know. one moment when I was checking the time or wondering when it was going to be over or you know even thinking about watching a movie. Like I, I was just engulfed in it and it was just one continuous moment throughout the entire film where I didn't really think outside of the film. I was just in the film completely. Uh, the guy is – it's so – the character is so well-written because hes he has tons of layers. And um, mm-hmm. the guy will literally – because even the mother relationship isn't – is what it seems yeah. at first. And that was such a subplot, right? That really had nothing a, to do it, it, with the overall story arc, yet it still – had see his relationship stage, with and it model. added to character mm-hmm. development it really let you know who this guy was and oh, he always finds character. a way out like he finds a way to get out of a situation he's very smart he knows how to um throw everybody under the bus i mean mm-hmm. he just figures out a way and it's not to where it's an unbelievable thing you, you know because sometimes you're like oh typical you know for, you know dodges the bomb at the last minute or whatever but in this it's done much more on a, like a subtle level mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah
3: totally agree
1: yeah fantastic film man really yeah, really great it's stuff
0: really good yeah definitely out of the three that brandon sent me definitely my favorite one. Oh yeah um i did check out the secret in their eyes which was also a good one but this one is the last one i watched and it, and it was the best one as well definitely love this film unfortunately you can't really get into it as much without starting to spoil every single scene
1: well that's the thing it's you know we can basically just talk about we can go in circles about the character um just talk about how great he was and stuff and but yeah like the editing and cinematography it's oh, just cinematography it's, is fucking it's fantastic. done really well but yeah. like even the editing though it's edited well you know yeah. it, it's so it flows so perfect but I think that's one of the best things about this movie is the pacing the pacing is all it's it's like a standard it's just perfect it never dips at all you know, you never find yourself going, fuck, yeah. man, down moments. Because the, everything you're anticipating, you're anticipating the next move. This character is so, he's so conniving and so fucking smart. And it's mm. beautifully shot. There's everything. All those elements make up a perfect, it just makes a pace.
0: You yeah. Know? He's really good saying. at getting information from people. And, n- like, you know, just being a sneaky ass spy type guy where he's just, like, really good at at figuring out what's going on. Like, the call triangulations and stuff like that in the film i loved how the ending was shot with uh you know the way things were revealed and just the way that it played out was just you know perfect for me and i mean like you said we can just keep going on and talk about the same Mm -hmm. things over and over again
1: now like if you were actually you know willing to do something like this as somebody
0: it's like a friggin full-time job doing something yeah. like this. Well, that even shows lot because his actual job, then. his actual job begins to slip and he gets into oh, a bit of trouble. Time. So, yeah. I mean, right? They answer, like the, everything was thought out in this film.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was I was actually kind of like thinking to myself and kind of joking about it. I was like, "You know what? You know, his job is lacking so much in what he's supposed to be doing that he's theoretically getting paid right now to harass Clara. and and, you know make her life a living hell and i kind of thought of it like that and i was like because nobody else really knows it just kind of made me laugh he's he's getting paid to fuck with this girl
0: right now one more thing there's a scene where somebody dies in a bathtub brutal Mm -hmm. and that is my favorite look of somebody dying in in a film like that's done perfectly the amount of blood the way that it's you know s- squirting and stuff like that it's not over the top like that is that is what i think a murder looks like and i was I just thought, so proud of the way that they did that
1: i thought the fucking the scene just leading up into where that character is in the bathtub was yeah. executed so discreetly and like just it was haunting how much like the character how he thinks about it at first did you notice what he did yeah You know, like how that whole scene goes down, you're like, fuck, this guy is sadistic, man. He knows exactly. It's calculated. I mean, it wasn't calculated, but, you know, as soon as that thing goes down, he knew exactly what to do. And I was like, damn. (laughs) That was kind of crazy, man. I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." But
0: Yeah. You know. And then, like you said, man, this one goes by so fast. What how long is this movie? Like an hour 45. Hour 45? 42 minutes. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, it's just under 2 hours, yeah.
0: There's an old saying that says, you know, the first 90 minutes are free and you have to buy the rest of the time anything after that. And you know, this is like the perfect example because you don't notice it at all. Like they paid for it in good filmmaking. Every additional minute Past the ninety-minute mark,
1: I agree. Yeah, I me agree
0: too.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely worth buying re- to read to the end, man. Like, yeah. you no know, great ending. So, Ratings? I don't know. I, I really don't know what else to say about it because we can't just yeah start out giving giving away. things away. Yeah. yeah,
3: ratings, Jeremy. This movie's fucking awesome. Nine and a half out of ten. Nice,
0: nice. Uh, I agree it is fucking awesome in the words of jeremy i highly recommend everybody picks it up i'm surprised that i haven't heard more about it and Mm -hmm. i give it a nine out of ten uh
1: i also give this film a well i shouldn't say also but no no this this movie is just wow i was never bored for a second and that's one thing that i like to really kind of factor into my reviews is you know Obviously, I do a lot of the entertainment, but this one's really well done on all aspects. There's nothing bad about this film. Um, so I'm going to give it a fuck. No, I'm just
0: joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say.
1: <laughs> no, I'm also going with nine and, a half out of, nine and a half out of ten. And for some odd reason, I don't even know why I'm not giving it a ten because I can't find any real flaws in this movie. Wait, is that, probably,
3: a, is that a Hall of Fame?
0: That actually probably. does make the Hall of Fame. A 9.5, a 9.5, and a 9 does add up to 28. So Brandon got his wish. Our next inductee into the glorious Hall of Fame is Sleep Tight from 2011. From which director, Jeremy? <laughs> I
1: can't pronounce it. I think, think it's
0: Jamie Valguero. You're wrong.
1: What is it? I think. Jamie, I don't know, Jamie girl. I don't know how. I to just said it. that. I know it's so hard. I don't. I think that's right. I don't know. Yeah,
4: but yeah. But,
0: so yeah. that's pretty awesome, guys. We haven't had a hall in hall of fame since the Halloween show. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: Hall of pain. Hall of pain.
0: <laughs> yeah. What? One day we will create the hall of pain. I'm just lazy right now. So. uh Thank you, yeah, in Thanks, everybody. That was awesome. Had fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. I, I'm. I'm actually really glad that that one made it because it's the type of film that definitely should be in the hall it of fame.
0: James Massacre would it, also like, be in the
3: hall of fame. I'm, probably.
1: I'm very surprised that more people don't talk yeah, about this I never movie. I have
3: anybody talk about this one.
1: Perfect. Maybe just situation. no one's seen it or something. I don't know. Maybe, but I mean, we're on the same level. Like, none of us really knew too much about it before going into it. So, um. But yeah, so that is going to conclude episode forty nine of the twenty two shots of moods and horror. Of course, we will be back next week with the big five zero episode yeah. fifty. So make sure to get those uh, those voicemails in before next Wednesday, which is what did you say that day was, JP? Next that it was the twenty ninth.
0: Is the twenty and so, uh, anytime Wednesday night, hell, even you know early into the you know 2 a.m type hours will be cool i'll still count it but just definitely make sure you get it you know before like thursday morning or whatever
1: yep sounds good all guys jeremy
0: all right thank
3: you everybody for listening to episode 49 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast so also, if you want to follow the man moods himself you can do so at youtube.com slash moods 616 if you want to follow jp aka the man who hates Wee herman you can do so at youtube.com slash double shot j and also always you can follow me on my channel youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 and if you want to follow us on the facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror join the facebook page lots of awesome people over there and as always you can follow us on twitter at 22 shots podcast that's at Twenty two shots podcast. And if you have any questions, you can email us at twenty two shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's twenty two shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. And you can always follow us also on our website, twenty two shots of moods and horror.com. That's twenty two shots of moods and horror.com. And you can leave us your voicemail for episode fifty by the twenty ninth of April. Ooh, I just pulled a Canadian seven two four four two six 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 five seven two four four two six 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 five. Yeah. So that should be do it, folks, for episode forty nine of the twenty two shots of moods and horror podcast. We'll be back next week with the big five O. Oh, talk to you guys next week. Peace.